Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome back to my podcast. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video game and sports podcast on the entire internet. Did you see Dr. Disrespect's stream on Friday? I watched it Friday. It was so good. I had to watch it and come back on Monday. Oh, it's so good to have Dr. Disrespect back. But you didn't come here to see Dr. Disrespect. You came here to see 24. Ladies and gentlemen, got a great show, packed show for you today. I'm so excited to be back on a Tuesday. I got a, I got a, I got some explaining to do. Don't worry. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to the potential for college football to be canceled. Why Green Bay could potentially be in trouble going forward in the next couple of months. Also, Washington is a surprisingly terrible team. What a surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, all of that and much, much more right here on 24's Podcast. Well, I didn't I didn't want the song to end there. I mean, go back. I mean, like, can we play it? Can we play it a little bit more? Jesus Christ, I wanted to sing along too. Can, can we play the song again? Yeah, yeah! The best of men can get Raul Gillette Yeah, yeah Raul Alright, <clears throat> now that that's done What should I get into first? Got a packed show First and foremost, let me, let me get into this I'm recording this at, like at about midday today. I tried to record this podcast twice this morning. Twice. Twice I tried to record this podcast. I spent over an hour trying to work out the technical difficulties. Uh, I could not work out the technical difficulties. So I said to myself, it's already almost 1 o'clock in the morning. I am dog tired. Let's get some rest. Let's address the problem. Let's see if the problem is back at it again in the morning. And then it's not. I'm green. I'm cleared hot to go. They cleared me. So I'm ready to fly. Which is why I'm... I just had to get that off my chest. It's like, like, I kid you not. Late last night, early this morning, I was so frustrated that I wanted to, like, Summit 1G punch my monitor. But then I was like, 24, you don't have Summit 1G money. You can't be punching monitors. Calm yourself down. Get some sleep. Come back in the morning. It's going to be fine. And now I am here once again, back at it again, early in the morning. Let me address the, uh, the, uh, the most important thing that you're probably here for. College football potentially being um, canceled this season. Yes, it's a possibility. It is 1,000% a possibility. Listen, um, I did not realize how bad it was with the NFL, or not the NFL, but the uh, the college football protocols and how apparently unsafe they've been. Apparently, they haven't worked out certain protocols. They haven't worked out certain things. Like, the, the things that I thought the NFL was going to be guilty of college football has now been guilty of, and I said it, like, a couple of weeks ago, if not a month ago, that I was like, dude, the NFL season could potentially be postponed and slash or canceled. And I said that last, last month, and I meant it because it looked like the NFL was not doing the proper things that they needed to do. And then it turns out they were like, oh, wait, oh, shit, our season could potentially get postponed. It could potentially be canceled. Let's start, like, let's do the right thing. Let's get these things handled. Let's get these things done. Let's make sure that our guys are safe. 
And they did that. And they gave the option to players to opt out. Kind of terrible what they did in the sense of moving the opt-out date up and not allowing certain players to get the time that they need. But it's the way that the dice roll, unfortunately, in this occasion. But the NFL seems to be doing the exact opposite of what I thought they were going to be doing. And college football seems to be doing exactly what I thought the NFL was doing. So, of course, yes, uh, the college football season could be canceled. I've, I've heard, mo- and by the way, for clarification, I'm recording this midday Tuesday. You may be asking me, well, 24, why aren't you just waiting to record this podcast later on in the day? So that way, um, so that way you can like, so that way you can be a little bit more accurate, you know, instead of having to like try and have a doctor or not a doctor. I just read something on my TV, have a shot in the dark and guess, I guess. Well, A, I think it's a little bit more entertaining for you because, A, you're going to know if college, if certain conferences are canceled by the time that uh, this podcast is released. And B, Hard Knocks is on tonight, and I don't want to, like, go to sleep once again at noon. Or not noon, but, like, midnight, 1 o'clock like I did this morning. I still woke up on time. I just, like, I don't, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning, you know? I did that for like six, seven months when I started off this podcast, and I'm like, I'm starting to get back on a sleep schedule. I'm starting to handle my insomnia. I don't necessarily want to have to go to sleep at like three o'clock in the morning, you know, anymore. Sometimes I went to bed at like four or five. It was ridiculous. But point is, entertainment-wise and just health-wise, I want to put this podcast out earlier. And it's like I, I can, I'm doing it now. Or I had the chance to do it last night, and I was like, well, you know, if I can't do it now, I'll try and do it in the morning, and here I am. By the way, if you hear my fans, once again, it is because I'm recording this midday, and it's hot as balls outside. So, there you go. I had already thought that the Big Ten, their season was canceled, if I'm not mistaken on that. I thought that they were canceled, but apparently they are, um, they're not canceled. Oh, wait, let me write something down really, really quickly. Hold on. And I'm almost done. I'm writing down two very big names. On my piece of paper, on my on my loose leaf paper, not on my on, not not on my loose leaf paper, on my journal. So, um, sorry about that. What was I talking about? I was talking about essentially college football being canceled. Let me let me go back to the Big Ten. Let me find out the uh, the Big Ten. I I freaking typed in GH into um, into Google, and it gave me the search this like the search engine or it it just pumped out the results of like general hospital which the wealthy quarter mine quarter main family continues to be a looming presence in the town of port charles with interest in much of the city's business characters come and go but viewers can always count on at least one quarter main or spencer to create havoc okay i heard like it's a popular it's a soap opera but okay all right sorry um let me type in big 10 because i'm pretty sure like i've heard a lot of things about general hospital which is why i was interested in it but 
I also don't necessarily like how how it has fucking 57 seasons. It's like that's ridiculous. Sources: Big Ten expected to cancel football season for fall. No games for Michigan. Like that's essentially the um, the headline that I read, and I was like, oh, they're the Big Ten are going to be canceled. I thought the um, I think the ACC is going to continue forward, um, and the SEC obviously as well because they're in the South. Um, I, I think the Big Twelve may or may not be may or may not be in contention. We'll see. Oh, and um, and I got the I like I don't like Mike Florio as a source. I will take Dan Patrick though. Dan Patrick, he tweeted this out. Sorry about that. That's my phone. He tweeted this out like yesterday. Actually, he tweeted according to Dan's source. 12 of the 14 presidents from the Big Tw- 10, excuse me, have voted against having a fall college football season. Iowa and Nebraska were the two that have been pushing to play. So. That's kind of why I thought the Big 10 were canceled. Um, apparently, the SEC is trying to get more teams into their conference or to play against their conference teams so that way they can like have a full season but the players are starting to unionize the players are like well we want we want to play but we want to play under these conditions let me pull up trevor lawrence's tweet he said uh and this is from the five conferences we are united we want to play we all want to play football this season establish and these are their demands Um, establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against coronavirus, COVID-19, among all conferences throughout the NCAA. So that's the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12. There you go. That's one of their demands. Here's the, uh, the other four. Give players the opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. Guarantee eligibility, whether a player chooses to play the season or not. Use our voices to establish open communication. Sorry about that. Once again, uh, use our voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials. Ultimately, create a college football players association. That's very important. Hold on. Representative of the players of all Power 5 conferences. Pretty much the final two demands that the players have all wanted is a union and to have a representative um, for the um, for their respective teams or apparently for the respective con- conferences excuse me um, throughout the uh, throughout the NCAA so Big Ten I think is gone according to Dan Patrick and I love Dan Patrick as a source so I believe him more than I believe Mike Florio if you want my honest opinion about it I think the Pac-12, I think it's also open. I think. I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) Excuse me. I think the ACC is still going to go. I was reading an article that it was. Yep. Um, Oregon Live. Hold on. Here's here's, um, two hours. Here's two. this, This is CBS Sports. This was two hours ago, and this is the headline for the article. Big Ten, Pac-12 expected to vote Tuesday on whether to move forward with 2020 college football season. Blah, 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 blah. The ACC absolutely intends to play this fall, according to Dodd. Who's Dodd again? D-O-D-D. Hold on. Dennis Dodd. 
Who's Dennis Dodd again? Hold on. He's quoted in the article. He must be like, I guess, a commissioner or the similarities or not the similarities, but like the um, the uh, something synonymous with a commissioner. Dennis Dodd. Let me look up him. Who is he? Oh, this is a reporter that they're quoting. I thought he was like a commissioner, I guess. I don't know. So this is, sources told CBS Sports Dennis Dodd that the meeting was previously scheduled with the commissioners set to meet again Monday. It is not known whether the Monday meeting took place, blah, 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 blah. However, on Tuesday, it is expected that presidents and chancellors from the Big Ten and Pac-12 will meet their respective conferences. ACC plans to play... And this is another person, Source 1, Pac-12, on course to cancel, regardless of Big Ten decision. Source 2, CEOs have leaned into medical advice since pandemic began, and I see them doing that today. Let me read a little bit more, just so I don't, like, misrepresent what's going on. The big, here's a, here's a, another, like, line from the article. The Big 12 is reportedly divided on whether to play, according to Sports Illustrated. The Big 10 will be the first conference to meet Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. It is believed that the Pac-12 will meet around 2 p.m. While it is unknown when the Big 12 has its meeting scheduled, I think that, technically speaking, the Big 10 is meeting right now. So I maybe at the end of the podcast, maybe at... Maybe maybe in the next, like, 20 to 30 minutes, I'll know. I don't know. We'll see. Depends on how long the meeting is, and it depends on how long the information gets out. But more likely than not, it's starting to seem like the Big Ten is going to... It seems like the Big Ten is a definite yes. And it seems like potentially the Pac-12 is. The ACC plans to go. It seems like it's a full go. And... um it also seems... Let me bring up the uh, the Power 5 conferences. So, I would assume two of the Power 5 are probably going to not play this season. The SEC and the ACC seem to be the, um, the big boys that are probably going to... Um, that are probably going to, to continue forward. I think it just means the Big 12, for example, we'll see about whether or not the Big 12 play or not. We'll see. But, you know, it is, um, it is a very interesting time that we are, in, that we are uh, living in right now. Maybe not interesting because I thought that some of the other, I guess, um, some of the other, like, I, I thought the NFL was, was genuinely going to be delayed or postponed. I guess that's the same thing, but maybe canceled potentially because I didn't think they were handling it. I completely forgot about college football, if I'm honest with you. And I think because I completely forgot about college football, it's like, well, I think that's, I, I think it shows, like, maybe not shows, but I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's pretty damning that I couldn't really think of any, or I can't really think of any of the protocols that college football had in place um, like a month ago or even this week. And it was ramping up. Like some of this, most of this information was like out of nowhere. Most of this information was like in the, um, was like in the last like 48 to 70 something hours. Like this, this whole issue started to ramp up around 
Sunday when it was reported that certain conferences were going to opt out. Like, they were they were done. And I heard, like, the um, the Ivy League schools, they had, they're like, nope, we're not going to do it. And then I was like, okay, but they're not the Power Five. And then it's like, you started to hear Big Ten. Um, if you don't know the teams that play in the Big Ten, it's uh, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, um, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. So some pretty good football teams are in the Big Ten. They're going to probably opt out. The ACC, Miami, and Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, and Clemson. Clemson. They're also in there as well. But, I mean, I don't count Duke. Duke isn't, like, Duke is a basketball team. And, I mean, Florida. Oh, yeah, Florida, Florida State. DBU. They're probably going to play as well. Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I don't want to say Texas. Texas, you suck. Uh, Pac-12, UCF. They're all, like, colleges. Like, the the best conference is the SEC. I mean, Alabama, um, Auburn, Georgia, LSU. And that's kind of it. But, I mean, the best schools from... The best schools are in the SEC, football-wise, I guess. I don't know. But it seems like the SEC, Big Ten, or not Big Ten, SEC and ACC are going to go ahead. And it seems like those two conferences have the most schools, or technically, like, together, they definitely do. So they'll probably find a way to have a season. Looks like Big Ten, they're out. Um, Maybe maybe the Pac-12, Big 12, I don't know. Why is it called the Big 12 if it's like if there's only 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10? You're two schools out. Didn't A&M play in the in the Pac-12 or not the Pac-12 but the Big 12? I don't know. I mean technically the Pac-12 has 12 schools but I think A&M moved over to the SEC so yeah. We'll see. As you can tell I'm not really that informed about college football but I just I just thought that I would share some of that because it is breaking information. Breaking, um, breaking information. Excuse me, breaking news. I'll play this clip of um, Chris Sims and Mike Florio talking, um, talking about this, and I'll talk about something else here. I also want to play this other clip as well, but I don't necessarily know if I if I have it here. Hold on, let me try and find it for like two seconds. Hold on. Uh, I don't know if I have it or not. Hold on. All right. Okay, I can't find it. I was gonna play this clip of um, of, uh, of of how essentially this could affect the NFL, but I um I I'll play this kind of summarization of what I'm, I'm talking about. The clip is gonna kind of be muted because it's their audio; it's not mine. So um, you're like, it's gonna be a lot quieter than it actually hears. Here's Chris Sims, uh, Mike Florio talking about what were they talking about? Oh yeah, the end of college football. 
for this year, rooting for or conspiring to have college football season not happen. A lot of those voices have a significant vested financial interest in college, in college football, football happening. Right. right. They want to go forward because they want to get paid, and they don't care about the ethical issues. They don't care about the scientific realities. They don't care about the potential liability of the universities. They don't care about anything but preserving their own asses and and by accusing others of trying to bring it down, they insulate themselves from being accused themselves of trying to set these players up for what is an unsafe environment potentially, also that they can do their jobs and make their money derived from college football where the great irony is all of the people who who are covering the sport are making a hell of a lot more money than the kids who are playing yeah so sorry if you didn't catch it again it's really really muted what they're pretty much saying and what they're pretty much talking about is that um there's certain people within the media and i just saw somebody do exactly what mike florio just described uh, there are certain people within the media that are like, we should continue forward with college football, and college football is awesome, and college football is great. College football, college football, college football, college football. Play, 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 play. And um, there are certain people in the media that are like, um, th that aren't taking into account player safety and the litigation that could potentially happen with um, with college football players uh, playing the sport. You got to play it safely. I mean, as much as people want to deny that people who are young aren't dying of it, there are people who are, hold on, hold on, let me, hold on. Sorry about that. So, as much as people want to deny that the, uh, the, the disease isn't affecting, like, young people, um, there are people who are my age and younger, and, I, like, I was just reading, you know, schools in Georgia, or, yeah, a school in Georgia had, like, 800 students, I think, get the coronavirus or have to be tested and now the school has been shut down it's it's the picture that you've seen with the with the with all the students like in, in the hallway and some of them are wearing masks others aren't and like they're in close quarters and it's just like people my age can get it i'm in my 20s people my age have gotten it people have died because of it like i know we're like in august and if people, like, I get it, like, it's been around for, like, seven months. No, not even seven months. Like, what, five months since March? Yeah, five months. Not even half a year. And I, like, some people are still not taking it seriously. Other people's aren't. Other people aren't. If you want my honest opinion about it, they should have had some of this stuff handled way earlier on. Way earlier on than just, you know, like, this month. Again, they could maybe get something happen, maybe something done in the next couple of months. Um, maybe not in the next couple of months, but in the next couple of weeks, because, and, and even technically the months, because it could, it could be postponed, but usually college football, I think starts at around this time, like late August, but apparently like they want to get it. They could potentially have an official start to the season late September. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see about college football potentially starting up again. Also, um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a real head scratcher. It's like, well, how would students go to classes? Would you have classes? I mean, some universities are like, we're only having online courses. I don't know if it's any of the teams, any of the football teams that are having like football schools that are going to have like classes and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know, man. It's a real head scratcher, but 
it's 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 the reality that we live in, I guess. I don't know. But um, if one good thing happens because of uh, of this issue, it is that the NFL will have Saturday games. Another headline by CBS. NFL schedule change coming Saturday. Games likely to be added if college football gets canceled per report. If power, if the Power Five conferences, conferences, excuse me, decide to cancel college football this season, that decision could end up having some major ramifications on the NFL schedule for 2020. So, if you have no idea what that is uh, or what I'm talking about, the NFL could essentially be planning and scheduling that. The uh, that we have football games, NFL football games, on Saturday. I'm looking at an advertisement for one of my favorite movies to come out this year, and that's The King of Staten Island. I fucking love that movie. Sorry. Basically, here's another um, paragraph from the article. Basically, the cancellation of the college season means the NFL would likely be adding Saturday games in September, October, and November, although the NFL puts... Saturday games on its schedule nearly every season. Those are always played in late decision due to some weird sports broadcasting act. When that was passed nearly 60 years ago, Congress gave the NFL an antitrust exemption for its broadcasting rights under the condition that the league wouldn't schedule games on Saturdays during the college football season or on Fridays during the high school football season. Okay. Um, if both of those seasons are put on ice, that conceivably opens the door for the NFL to play on nearly any night it wants. Um, which by the way, if you're wondering, it's like, why don't like, why doesn't the NFL play on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays? That's why. Although it might sound difficult for the NFL move for the NFL to move games from Sunday to Saturday on such short notice. This is probably the one year, blah, 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 blah. Also, the idea of moving games from Sunday to Saturday isn't a new one. The 2020 schedule actually includes Saturday games, blah, 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 blah. If the NFL is is trying to figure out the best way to incorporate the new Saturday games into the schedule, one of our editors here at CBS.com RJ Wright, White, excuse me, actually had a brilliant idea on how to handle it, and you can see that below. I read this article, by the way, and I read his his thing, and I was like, this is kind of weird, but here's his quote. I imagine the logistics would be too difficult to work out, but if this happens, the NFL should bump every Thursday night team's previous game from Sunday to, to Saturday. For example, Cincinnati, Cincinnati-Cleveland on Thursday night in week two would mean week one's Saturday slate is Los Angeles Chargers versus Cincinnati and Cleveland versus Baltimore, which kind of makes sense, but it also, like, it also kind of crutch, like, maybe not crutches, but, like, puts a crutch on Cincinnati, not Cincinnati, but on the teams that have to go up against Thursday night teams. So, for example, it kind of puts a crutch on the Chargers and the Ravens because they have to go up against the Bengals and the uh, and the Browns. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty smart idea, you know, instead of having to, you know, to get prepared for a Thursday night game and have like pretty much a week off or not a week off, but you technically not a week off, but like a week to prepare. You have a little bit over a week to, to prepare and then you go back to like a normal schedule that following week. I think every team has a Thursday night game and that's just because it's league mandated and 
the the NFL essentially casts the Thursday night games. Um, most of the other TV networks, so for instance, CBS, Fox, and NBC, they get to choose which teams and which games on which particular weeks they want on Sunday night football. So it's like, like usually it's like th- Thursday night is the pretty piss poor games and Sunday night or uh, Sunday, Monday, and I think the Fox game of the week and the CBS primetime games, those are like the best games. So there you go. Um, what else? Here's kind of a summarization of what he's saying. Basically, every team that plays on Thursday should have their game from the prior week moved from Sunday to Saturday, So, that, and they summarize it here, so that way they get an extra day of rest. In White's example, the Bengals-Browns would play on Saturday in week one, which would give them five days of rest before their week two Thursday game. Teams playing on Thursday usually get just four days of rest because they would then technically... Okay. They would then, like, technically have to play... Whoa, whoa, wait. Hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they would then technically have to play, like... Um, they would have to go from, like, Sunday and then play on Thursday. So, you know. You know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Sorry if this is giving you a headache, because it is fucking giving me a headache just trying to talk about some of this shit really, really quickly. So, the long and the short of it is... Um, I don't really know if the, I'll, I'll, I, you know, I can tell you right now, SEC is probably going to have a season. I don't know about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 and the ACC looks like they're going to have a season as well. So that's as good. That's as much as I know. All right. Oh yeah. And the NFL could potentially have, uh, have, uh, more games scheduled for Saturday, which is a good thing. Now, for me personally speaking, I kind of wanted to address this early on in the podcast, but I completely forgot about this. Um, I think on Friday I said, like, I wanted I wanted to probably, like, take a break and take a week off and things of that nature. And I'll tell you, just in case if you miss this podcast, I'll tell you this, like, every single podcast, essentially. Um, I was, I was going to take, like, a week off late August or early September because I kind of started to get burned out. But now I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to have like maybe four to three, potentially five podcasts a week and podcasts pretty much during the week and take off during the weekends. And um, I'll try and watch some football games and get some of my casting stuff down. So that way when the season does restart September 10th, I'll be good to go. I'll be ready to go. And uh, there's uh, there's nothing we got to worry about casting wise. I'm going to shake off a little bit of the rust kind of on the weekends and kind of keep it low key. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about potentially having some of these games on Saturday. I don't know how many games, but I mean, it's definitely a plus for you because that means that you're going to get five games, potentially four. I don't know if they're going to schedule two games on sun- Saturday, excuse me, or or um, or one. I hope they schedule two. If they schedule two, it's going to be great for me. It's going to be great for you. That means I get to watch a lot more football. And um, you get a lot more podcasts to listen to. I don't mind casting a shit ton of football games. As long as, like... As long as, um... As long as, like, they're football games that I actually want to watch. There's probably going to be Saturday games. Like, let's say if it is the the Saturday 
like let's say if it is like Thursday night football teams and that's the way that they want to go, then um, I'm gonna be like like there's gonna be some games that I'm just gonna not cast and stuff like that. But um, there's definitely hold on, I'm trying to pull up the NFL schedule on Google. Here we go. There's definitely gonna be teams that I'm gonna avoid like the plague, and then there's gonna be teams that I'm gonna watch um, religiously. I'll kind of get into this uh, at depth or in depth a little bit more um, as the as we get closer to the beginning of the season. But I kind of have like a rough list of teams already um, that I kind of wanted to watch, and those teams pretty much are you know the, the basic teams, the teams that everybody essentially you know is probably going to watch, and the teams that and like if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I'm going to watch these teams: uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans. Uh, who else do I got? Who else do I got besides those three teams? Oh, yeah, the Cardinals, the Bucks, and um, maybe maybe like one or two other teams. But that's just like a rough, like, just assumption, that a rough just guess of teams that I'm going to watch. Oh, yeah, I want to watch a little bit more of the Bengals, but I'm not going to watch the Bengals religiously. I, like, my, my purpose... And my focus for this season is to diver- to diversify, excuse me, my portfolio when it comes to teams. What I mean by that is I want to watch as many different teams instead of the Dallas Cowboys because when it comes to the Cowboys, I'm pretty much like an almanac. But with every other team, I kind of struggle and I kind of want to watch the teams that I normally wouldn't watch because I don't, I don't really know anything about the Bengals besides Joe Burrow and AJ Green and Joe Mixon and John Ross or Jeff Ross or whatever his name is. And um, the uh, the head coach is the quarterback coach or was a quarterback coach, I think, with the Rams for like a year. And then he got the job, which that's a fucking head scratcher to me. And um, who else do they have? I don't even like I, I don't know who they got on defense. I, I know they got like in the draft Logan Wilson in the third round. But um, obviously, first and second round, they got Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. But I, I, I don't really know who their offensive line is. I don't really know how they play. And, like, it, it's a, it's a, it's, I, like, it sounded like I know a lot more. Like, I can tell you pretty much, I, I can tell you, like, uh, some things about their head coach and their, you know, some parts of their offense and things of that nature. But I don't really know as much as I would definitely like to know about the Bengals, um, as I know about, for example, the, the Cowboys and, uh, you know, even, even for example, the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, my, uh, oh yeah. And I guess to watch the bears, like, I don't know if my, uh, like my cable definitely doesn't have the, the games, the re- because of the re- because of the region that I live in, excuse me. So I can't necessarily look up the games that I have. But if I get a chance, for example, to watch the Bears and watch Mitchell Trubisky play, then yeah, I'll watch the Bears and I'll watch Mitchell Trubisky play. Also, um, I'm not really sure about how the week schedule of the of like a normal fall week for me is going to be when it comes to uploading these podcasts. I'm gonna upload podcasts, but like, whew, let me like let me slow it down because now I'm like now I'm starting to freaking turn up the juice way too much and I don't really need to. Let me take a swig of water first. Hold on. So, I kind of want to do, like, like let's just say, let's take out the NFL Saturday games, for example. Um, 
what I'm planning on doing is for the regular season, what I'm planning on doing is I'm planning on having obviously five podcasts that are football games throughout the week. So that is Monday night, that is Thursday night, that is three games on Sunday, right? So like we're done. Um, I'm planning also on having Tuesday be my weekly wrap up. So whenever like, you know, like uh, the weekend wrap up, I guess is a better way of describing it. So it's kind of going over, you know, the games that happen on Sunday night, uh, not on Sunday night, but on Sunday and on Monday and kind of looking forward to some of the games that are going on throughout the week. So for example, it could be like, uh, it could be like a Monday night, not Monday night, but it could, uh, it could be like, you know, certain matchups that I'm looking forward to on Sunday and then on Thursday and stuff like that. And then I think what happened last year was Wednesday night was like essentially predictions for Thursday night football. And then Thursday night was obviously Thursday night football. And then Friday was predictions for the weekend um, for the Sunday games. And then Saturday I had off and then Sunday I would put out five podcasts and then we would we would move on from there. So I think that's like three on that's like eight or nine sir like a podcast I think I think it's eight podcasts a week I'm planning on having a schedule very similar to that this year if not more so what I'm planning on doing is um same thing uh Monday night we're gonna like for the first I think Monday night football game we're gonna have two games so obviously you're gonna get two games on Monday night and then Tuesday is gonna be the 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 wrap-up the weekly wrap-up and then what I'm planning on doing is I'm planning on actually because, you know, I'm again, I'm planning on not watching as much Cowboys um, as I am going to like diversify my portfolio, look at other teams. I'm going to probably cast as as much Kyler Murray, Lamar, Patrick, other teams as I possibly can and less about the Cowboys and stuff like that. But I'm thinking Wednesday is going to be Cowboys Day where I do recast the Cowboys game, or maybe not recast, but cast that Cowboys game and kind of look at what happened during that Cowboys game, that that Cowboys game um, on the podcast a little bit more analytically because because um uh, I like I watched the Cowboy I, I watched the Cowboys game like literally the Monday after the game is played, so we'll see. But again. Obviously, I'll watch the Cowboys if they're in primetime, which they will be, like, opening weekend. So, I'm pretty lucky on that front, but we'll see. We'll see. And then Thursday night is Thursday night football, and then Friday is predictions. And then, depending on if the NFL has, like, depending on if they have a sat or Saturday games or not, we'll see. But... If they do have Saturday games, then obviously I'll watch the Saturday games as well. Unless they're boring, then I won't. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of football. I'm, I'm planning on watching a lot of football. I'm planning on casting a lot of football. I can't wait. So that's what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then two games on Saturday. And then three games on Sunday. So that's like ten games. That I'm going to be casting in a week. And then on top of that, I kind of want to keep up with the video game podcast and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a busy bee in the fall. Which is why I'm like, 
Let me get my break on during the weekend. Let me, you know, let me just relax. Let me decongest. Let me, like, you know, power down because the ramp up period is going to be like 10 podcasts a week. That's like 30 hours or technically 20 hours of football that you can listen to every single week because every, like, football game that I cast is pretty much two hours. So we'll see. I hope that explains why I'm probably going to, not probably, but why I'm taking off weekends. Um, let me let me just check my calendar really, really quickly, unless I'm missing something here. But, um, I think, I think, like, so it's the, um, it's the second week in August, and we got, like, two, ten, almost three more weeks later, or... Yeah, like three more weeks left. Technically, it's like. Let me let me pull up my calendar on my app, on my calendar app. I think it is like two or three weeks. Let me go to like August or September. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So, like on Thursday. No not it no it's like four weeks until the season starts. So, you know we got some time, we got some time. The point is, is that, you know, um, it's, um, I'll, I'll pretty much just rest up and we'll, we'll have a fucking loaded set schedule, excuse me, on, um, on, or not on, but when the regular season starts once again. So we'll see. Talked about college football potentially being canceled. I do want to address Jason Garrett and stuff like that later on. Oh, yeah, um, I'm going to be watching Hard Knocks. I think I mentioned this early on in the podcast, but the reason why I'm doing all this right now and talking about college football right now is that I plan on watching Hard Knocks, and then tomorrow I'll discuss Hard Knocks, which is what I did a year ago. I think I watched, like, Hard Knocks up until, like, almost the regular season started, and then I just got, like, super disinterested with Hard Knocks. I was like, I don't care about Hard, hard Knocks that much. Um, I don't re- Like, I realized, like, I, I was like, I don't really care about the Oakland Raiders, <laughs> like, at all. But then I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll watch it. And I'll watch it again. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see about Hard Knocks. Should I get going about this? About what I got about Mike McCarthy and... Other people. No, let me talk about Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders is out of the NFL Network. He's done. Um, now, this is apparently not because of his tweets that he sent out recently. If you haven't read his statement, and by the way, should mention this, huge fan of Deion Sanders. This um, this kind of annoyed me, what he said. Maybe not annoyed me, but like it was like one of those things that I rolled my eyes at. I'm like, really, dude? Uh, let me find it. He tweets a lot. Did he delete it? 
I'm not, I'm not sure. Hold on. I'm still on like one day. Okay, so this was like. Fuck, he tweets a lot. Hold on. Jesus. So, I, f I found his tweets. I'll read you the full context, and I didn't see the um, the second half, the second thing that he tweeted out. But um, here's kind of what he tweeted that stirred the uh, the hornet's nest. And this is one of the things that I kind of, like, rolled my eyes at when I read, read this. Um, all players opting out in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. This is a business, and don't you ever forget that. There's no one... Oh, okay, I misunderstood the context. There's no one that's bigger than the game itself. Only the ref, umps, and officials are that important that you can't play without them. Not you. I'm much more concerned with everyday men... And then he continues to go on. I'm much more concerned with everyday men and women doing what they have to do to make ends meet. Most people have no option of choosing to go to work or stand the comfort and safety of their environment. Have you forgotten your parents and family members can't opt out? So during that first part of what he's saying, where he says, all players opting out in, in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. I think what he's saying is kind of like, in the sense of the context I think that he's saying it in, is that like, and he goes on to say this is a business and don't you ever forget that. I think what he's saying is that if a player that plays better than you after you opt out, like, let's say, like, a corner opts out, right? A corner opts out, he's done, he's he's gone, right? But this other guy, this other younger, younger corner, maybe not even a younger corner, but let's say they're the same age, uh, this other young, maybe not young, but same age corner comes in and plays, and he may, the, the corner that came in and played versus the corner that opted out is like a second or a third round draft pick and the corner that opted out is like a first rounder, then they'll pick that second rounder and probably release that third rounder. Or they'll move, maybe not release the third rounder, but release the first rounder and move or and slash or try to move that first rounder to a dif different position or move them down in the depth chart. I think that's what he's trying to say is that the teams will find a way to move on without some of the players that opted out, I guess is what he's trying to say. But he doesn't necessarily articulate it in the best way possible. Then he kind of like shoots himself in the foot by saying, there's no one that's bigger than the game itself. Yeah, there is. It's your family. Um, only the ref, umps, and officials are that important that you can't play without them, not you. Kind of disagree. But he kind of like... In the series of tweets that kind of follows, and there's a fuck ton of them, which is why it took me, like, forever to find those, like, string of tweets, because he just, he fucking tweets out. Is this, is this something that's relevant? 
one I'll just read you what he said one day soon they will listen and they will learn the game and the life lessons that coincide with this game we play between these lines it's frustrating to coaches to the coaches that can't help carry the leverage okay I have no idea what he's saying I love Deion Sanders but I think he's wrong in the sense of you know the game will move on without you you're you're not as important as the game there's nothing more important than the game and it's like I mean like some people have autoimmune some people have family members that have autoimmune deficiencies excuse me and it's like if they get the, the coronavirus they are significantly at risk they're in that category that you know can potentially die from the coronavirus so and slash or they could potentially die of the coronavirus itself itself like von miller has asthma and he was like i don't know like he was contemplating it he obviously is opting in he's getting in like i think it's a lot more nuanced than you know um like like you know the game will move on with you and stuff like that and there's nothing more important than the game and I don't know. But he's out of the NFL network. He's out. He apparently wants to be a coach, a head coach for a college team by 2021. And, like, this is probably the only way that he can follow it, follow that dream, and I'll support him, and I'll continue for it. I don't agree with what he said, and but, you know, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Dion. But, you know, I, I don't think he's the head coach at the high school that he coaches at. I think he's, like, the assistant coach. But technically, I think how they define it as nobody's a head coach on that team. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, What else? What else? What else? Talked about Dion for a little bit. Let me talk about this. Green Bay. Green Bay's in trouble. Green Bay is in a lot of trouble this season. You know, I really didn't... I didn't really think kind of a couple of months after the draft um, how bad their draft is and how important it was to get a wide receiver. But... Like, now, you look at like, the wide receivers that they have, Devin Funches just opted out, and I constantly, like, throughout the entire offseason, kept on forgetting that they do not have Geronimo Allison. He's in Detroit now, so they don't have Geronimo Allison. They have, I think, one or two new guys. Like, I don't know who they have at wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Who did they draft again? And the, and the thing was, like, the Green Bay Packers, they drafted... They drafted, like, who was it? They drafted um, They drafted Jordan Love in the first round, and then they drafted, like, a running back in the second round. It was, it was really, really weird. And then I think they got, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what the Packers did last season. Let me, let me look it up. Maybe not last season, but, like, last year in the draft. Hold on. Let me get, look up the um, the Arizona card, not the Arizona Cardinals, the Green Bay Packers. They have it in alphabetical order. So, all right, here we here we go. So, 
the um the NFL Network or technically the NFL.com they had a needs analyst. Um, they needed a tight end, and they also needed a wide receiver because, once again, they lost Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham in free agency, and they also needed a offensive lineman. I forgot who. I think it's Brian Balaga. He left. Excuse me. Yeah, he's on the Chargers now. So Brian Balaga, he's one of their best offensive linemen. He's now off the Packers. And he plays for the Chargers. Um, so they need a tight end, a wide receiver, and an offensive lineman. And probably a linebacker because they lost Martinez and probably another corner or two. So um, somebody wrote like a long-form summary of what they need. I'll read it. It's been a pretty quiet offseason in Green Bay after Brian Gutekunst threw wads of cash at his at his defense, excuse me, a year ago. So either he doesn't like Aaron Rodgers very much, that can't be it. It's pretty ironic. This was written before the draft, actually, so just so we're clear. Um, or help is on the way via the draft. Obviously, those are not the cases at all. He did pick a flex tight end in round three a year ago, Jay Sternberger, but you can't break... But you can't bank on him, excuse me, alone to spice up the passing game. At least we wouldn't. A field stretcher at wide receiver would be nice. On the O-line, Rick Ragnar was signed to replace Brian Balaga, but he's on a short-term deal. And David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsay are set to become free agents in 2022 of their best offensive linemen, by the way. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me type in something. That way we can have some fun as well. Also, let me turn off my AC. It's not cold in here. It's just, like, at a certain temperature, it just doesn't work anymore. And I'm just kind of like, oh, no, it's fine. But it has been blowing for, like, freaking a long time. So I'm trying to just, like, make sure that everything is Gucci. Freeways. Like All right. Let me just mute. Hmm. <clears throat> So this is Pat McAfee show with the um with the first freaking pick of the twenty of the twenty first draft uh, no not of the twenty first but of the twenty twenty draft Pat McAfee um somebody else I, I forgot his name but he's he's Pat McAfee's co host and then uh, a Green Bay Packer fan who is like I guess maybe the mixer or sound mixer or somebody his name is Ty Schmidt of the Pat McAfee show here here's Pat McAfee and his guys covering the draft. If it will play. Ty, embrace the future of the Green Bay Packers. They are selecting. Oh, no. The anticipation Three. builds. Oh, no. <laughs> Reese lips. I'm trying my best. Oh, no. Nick. Jordan oh! Love, quarterback, oh, no. Utah State. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He's oh, out. No. He walked Bro. off the set. <laughs> Mel Kuyper is not happy for Jordan Love getting drafted. Mel, how's the uh, Green Bay Packers fans taking this, pal? 
Well, good coons, pack your shit and get out of town, okay? Because everyone who's a Packers fan fucking hates you right now, pal. If you're a Packers fan, you know where that guy lives. Show up in pitchforks. Oh, my God. Jeez. Maybe throw a couple bricks or rocks. No, 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 no. Let him know not. we're not fucking happy about this, okay? Hey, Mel, you were one game away. Awesome, awesome stuff. I was laughing during the entire, during that entire thing. Hold on. Let me charge my computer. My computer, during, um, during the freaking Cyberpunk podcast, it ran out of juice, and I wasn't watching the battery at all because of how my setup is and uh the audio got fucked up and not doing that again so packers they drafted um they drafted jordan love first pick of the draft for the green bay packers second pick of the draft aj Dillon, boston college running back you got uh jones right you got jones uh because it's not like you don't have a good what was it? Yeah, it's it's Aaron Jones, right? Aaron Jones. It's not like you don't have a good quarterback. It's that, oh, wait, you know, not a good quarterback. Oh, no, it's not like you don't have a good quarterback and a good running back. It's that you just needed more, right? This is why you don't draft a quarterback or even you can draft. You can have two running backs on your team. You can't have two quarterbacks on your team. That's just dysfunctional at best, at worst. You fucked up. And they did. So they got Jordan Love. And then they got A.J. Dillon. Let me look up Aaron Jones' uh, contract. How long does he have the contract for? I don't know when he got signed, so I'm looking it up. Um, he's a free agent next year. So potentially speaking, let me look at his numbers, actually. So, let's say his numbers... Okay, okay. Yep, that's why. So, he only had one 1,000-yard season in the last four years. So, what they did, what Green Bay did, was they, they were like, Oh, A.J. Dillon, we, got, we can get him in the draft, and we can um, just release Aaron Jones, or we can tag Aaron Jones, and we can have 2,000-yard backs on our team, or uh, we can trade away A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones this season. We'll see. Probably Aaron Jones this season and we can keep AJ Dillon and we can keep him moving. But Aaron Rodgers isn't thinking like a GM, he's thinking like a player and he's like, "Bro, uh we were one game away and Pat was talking about it. He he said, you know, you guys were one game away from the Super Bowl." And the GM's like, "I don't care. They got Josh Josiah Degura out of Cincinnati and then they got a linebacker, a guard, a center. Keep in mind, Brian Balaga Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari, they're both tackles, and they drafted a guard, a center, and another guard in the sixth round, right, because they, they had one, two, three, they didn't have a fourth round, but they had a fifth rounder, and they got a, a linebacker from it, and they got a DB, and they got an edge rusher, and that's their draft, so essentially, they're replacing players that are going to leave in the next couple of years, and uh, they still have not found a way to to get Aaron Rodgers any weapons. When is Devontae Adams' contract up? His contract must be up very, very quickly, right? Let me see it. He's a he's a freaking free agent in 2022. And he's going to be a, like 30 years old, by the way, when he hits the free agent market. 
the long and the short of it is, I don't. Who's their tight end? The third round pick, Joshua Degura. I mean, I don't know anything about this guy. What does he do exactly? Deguara. Apparently, that's how you say his name. Deguara. Deguara. Was only a two-star recruit despite leading his Folsom, California high school to an undefeated season and a D1 state title as a senior, racking up 114 receptions for 1,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, a three... Excuse me. A three-sport athlete. Played basketball and baseball in high school. Deguara redshirted his first year with the Bearcats and then played in all 12 games on special teams. Blah, blah, blah. What were his stats? Catching 38 passes for 468 yards and five scores. That's his junior year. The ACC coaches voted Deguawa first team all league for his play in all 14 starts as a senior. 39 receptions, 504 touchdowns, 12.9 yards per catch, and then seven touchdowns. Huh. They got him. They got him. Excuse me. In, his, in the third round, strengths takes run blocking duties to heart. Good angles up to second level and squares his target. Finds his block fit block. Another thing about block. Basketball feel and fluidity in his route breaks stems defenders out of place with sharp head fakes. Monitors safeties and surveys spacing against zone. Races to spot. So the soft spots and demands the football catches what is thrown at him and rarely has focus drops weaknesses inconsistent hand placement at point of attack gets grabby outside of the frame to finish needs better pad level to create point leverage may not have speed to consistently threaten the seam that's okay he's a tight end has a little too much sauce in his routes I kid you not they that's sauce, right? S-A-U-C-E. What does that mean? Could struggle to separate against NFL man coverage. Yeah. Rigid in his body adjustments to throws outside the frame. Lacks creativity after the catch and tends to bull forward. Okay. So that's who he is. Seems like a blocking tight end more than a receiving tight end. To me at least. I'm watching the NFL Network right now just because, like, just for updates and stuff like that. And I really want to talk about something that I should not talk about. It's not about football related, so you probably don't care. But, I, like, I, like, like sometimes it's like I can be a gigantic asshole and I can kind of just be rude and stuff like that. But, I don't know. Today I'm feeling nice, so I'll just turn my head, shut my mouth, keep on talking about football. You know what? Before I get on to what I want to talk about, let me take a quick bathroom break. And I'll be back in the next couple of minutes. Hold on. Let me put on a nice song for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in the next couple of minutes. 24 spot. Yeah. 
and anxiety got a hold of me Cause people say they want the older me Well I'm 30, this the oldest me But hold us me, the piece of shit that's not good enough Not black enough, not hood enough Not rich enough, not poor enough My heart is poured enough I've been beaten and battered My confidence shattered, been broken and tattered I'm constantly second guessing If my profession is worth it on my mental state Writing this from a dark place With humility and grace Peace, love, and positivity was my nativity, but not when socials are in my vicinity. I'm not running from the internet. My God, I was at his birth. I've been a vet. Going berserk like Peter down the inner tech. Yo, hey, it's deeper than the surface. I'm searching for purpose. I'm tired of searching for logic and Google on purpose just to read that I'm worthless. I remember making music alone, just a pen and a microphone. But nowadays it's hard to get in the zone. Writing rhymes was easy before the fame. Now I'm constantly overthinking every line. It's a shame. Rap used to fill me with joy. Now it's nothing but pain. I'm stuck in the game, trying to get back from where I came. I write this letter for the person who's listening. Fed up and tired of people dismissing them. I'm with you. I've been through what you've been through. And no amount of money can take away the feeling of insecurity. Only through maturity can we overcome. Feel like I've been overrun. Feel like it's over. I'm done. Whoever told you success gonna make you happy. You've been lied to. All of my dreams came true, but I bleed and cry too. Never been perfect, I failed every time I tried to. Feeling hated and underappreciated. Every time I look in the mirror, I wonder why you. Shit. I love to end this on some positive shit. Hit you with punchlines instead of some derogative shit. But it's okay to be sad sometimes and tired of shit. I guess. And people say, well, you're just out for money. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I wanted to play one of my favorite songs from No Pressure, the new Logic album that was released a couple of weeks ago. And I think July. I love I love No Pressure. No Pressure. Yeah, I school them like I'm no like I'm a professor or something. I, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, what was I going to talk about today or after my ba- my bathroom break? Man, I have so many I have so many doggone notes, you wouldn't believe it. Oh my god. I have like, I have, so, I have so many pages of notes, and it's so spread out, and things of that nature. I'll save some of this stuff for later on in the podcast, but let me talk about this. Let me talk about this. Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans. Let me switch from football to basketball. I'll go back to football here in a couple minutes. Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans. Pelicans are a mess. Pelicans are an absolute mess. So if you've been watching basketball in the last couple of weeks, days, months, um, you know that they are playing in a bubble. You know that they are playing, uh, trying to get the teams going, trying to, you know, trying to be great and trying to trying to make sure that the players have a shot and that we're going to have an NBA finals and things of that nature. Now, there is one specific team that is doing a lot of head-scratching moves in this season. It seems like they're playing to not win. It seems like they're playing just just because they can. They've kind of thrown in the white flag right now, thrown in the towel, I guess is a better way of saying the exact same thing, thrown in the towel this season, and they're saying, well, uh, we're done. We don't want to play anymore. Um, and Alvin Gentry may be responsible. Maybe it's the GM. I don't really know. But I've seen pretty consistently, I might add, the Pelicans rest 
their best player. And that best player, obviously, is uh, freaking Zion Williamson. Zion Williams, I think, or Zion Williamson. Can't believe I forgot his last name, Zion. Oh, yeah, it is Williamson. So they keep resting Zion, and I keep seeing it. I'm like, man, they keep resting Zion in, like, the fourth quarter. And I watched the Spurs game a couple of nights ago, and it's like the Spurs, they were up by, like, I don't even know how many points. It was it was probably somewhere close to, like, 30 points in the game. And the Pelicans had battled back to make it almost like an eight-point game at one point at a time. And I watched that game, and I was like, man, where is Zion? They got to put Zion way more in. They got to put Zion in the ball game a little bit more and get him loose, get him active. They never did. And they did it against another team. And I can literally see Zion Williamson become more and more frustrated because of his lack of play. Because the coach is like, sit your butt down. You're not playing anymore. So what does this have to do with Alvin Gentry, who, who, who is he? Where was the last time he coached? I forgot where he coached last. But he, uh, it's, it's not going well, wherever he coached last. Um, he, may, he may have to figure out something out. So he's been the New Orleans head coach for the last four years, since 2015, all the way up to now. His record... I mean, he already has a... He's been in the league. He's been a head coach for almost for over 20 years. He's he, It's coming up like to 30... What is it? Like 30, 30 years? He's been a head coach since 1994. Okay. Like this is his this is his head his head coaching like it's so weird to look at his his um his freaking statistics man because there are years where he just doesn't like coach eighty two games and I mean in the last four years the like he has coached 80, 82 games but yeah uh he he may he may be done he may be done this season. I, I, I don't I don't see how he how he does not stay the head coach this year. I I, I don't know how. Um. They're they're missing the playoffs. They they have officially they're out of the playoffs. Um. I think they got booted out. I think a couple of nights ago, Zion is probably pissed off because he's like, put me in, coach. Like literally, put me in. If you if you put me in. And if you helped me win, not even helped me win, but if you like put me into the game, if you let me play, I probably would have won some of the games that we would have lost. And they probably would have. Because some of the games that they lost were kind of close. Even the Spurs games. If they had probably let Zion play for the majority of the game, guess what? They probably probably would have won that game. Now, I, either Zion is playing with some form of an injury. Maybe it's a pre-existing condition. Maybe they just don't want to hurt their, their rookie. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, Zion is pissed off. He's not happy. 
I'm not happy. I wanted to see Zion play. And I thought that the Pelicans actually had a shot at going to the playoffs, which they technically did until Coach pulled them. Coach said, hey, son, sit down next to me. Sit down on the bench. Technically not next to me because the NBA socially distanced their players, but across from me, I guess. So, anyways. Let me write down something really, really fast here. No, I don't need to write it down. I'll just... Where's a pen here? A different colored pen. I'll just, like, box it. Because it's important that I need to talk about this. I have a lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. So... Kind of disappointing to see the, the Pelican season kind of sputter and die out, but, you know, hey, that's that's the way the game goes, especially when your coach decides to pull their best player on their team. Um, What else do I got? Oh, yeah, I remember this. So a couple of days ago, I was listening to Chris Sims' podcast, and they were talking about how underrated Russell Wilson is. And I talk about it all the time, too, on my podcast. I'm like, I don't understand how and why, for example, the Seattle Seahawks, they're like, well, we want to go and operate our offense through the run. We don't want to operate our, our offense through the pass. We want to keep on running it, running it, running it, running I don't understand it. But that's what they do. And they started to talk about Russell Wilson's numbers, and I was, like, following them with the numbers, and I was just seeing it, like, them track the numbers, and I was like, Russell Wilson's numbers, yard-wise, are fucking abominable. Like, abominable. Like, I don't, like, I do not understand his numbers. Like, at all. And I, I have no idea what the Seattle Seahawks are doing with him as a quarterback at all except like the only way that I can describe this is um they have pretty much been playing like Dallas for the past 10 years with a better head coach his numbers you know what let me pause on that let me pause on that I'm not going to talk about his numbers right now because his numbers tie into what I want to talk about later on with the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett and the offensive scheme. We'll go from there later on, but I want to finish off kind of the generalized topics with Dan Snyder. Just a little tease of what's to come. I know I started and stopped the topic, but just a little tease going on with Dan Snyder. So Dan Snyder... Apparently, he's suing somebody in his own fucking organization. And I titled the uh, the topic that I wanted to talk about, Dan Snyder is an idiot. That's literally what I talked about. I was like, wow, this guy's a fucking moron. What was the, um, what was the, here it is. According to the filing, Blair acted at the du- direction, and apparently, hold on, hold on, hold on. Where is it?
So... Apparently, um, one of his former employees, Mary Ellen Blair, um, she was an executive assistant in the front office, took money to help spread the damaging... Hold on, no, 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 no. This is, this is a part of the filing. So, Dan Snyder is, uh, is, has filed a lawsuit against one of his uh, former employees. Snyder asserted that Mary Ellen Blair, who worked for the team from 2013 to 2017... As an executive assistant in the front office, took money to help spread damaging information about him. The filing also stated that Blair further directly offered or alluded to the availability of bribes to current employees of the team with hopes of eliciting further false statements. According to the filing, Blair acted at the direction of and with financial support from the same individuals who hired and directed M-E-A-W-W, which was a website that tried to link, by the way, Dan Snyder, to Jeffrey Epstein, um, to publish their defamatory articles in Snyder, about Sm Snyder, excuse me, Nerne Child Harry, a founder of Meow, I think that's what it was called, denied to the New York Times that his company has received money in exchange for writing stories. In a statement, one of Snyder's attorneys, Joe Taco Pina, uh, said, that's, that's how his last name is spelled, Taco, and then P-I-N-A. Uh, Mr. Snyder said he will not stand by idly as these criminals, for their own malicious reasons, seek to sully his good name, through outrageous lies. To that end, we are aggressively pursuing Mary Ellen Bear, a disgruntled former employee who is clearly in the pocket of another and complicit in this scheme to defame Mr. Snyder in order to ensure to, ins uh, to yeah, to ins to ensure, yeah, there we go, to ensure that the full weight of the law comes down heavily on all those responsible for these heinous acts. And I'm just going to scroll and try to find The filings say, I'm, I'm reading another part of the article. The filing says Blair told a Washington employee that the Washington Post article would not be good for Dan, alluding that it would discuss him using drugs. It also alleged that she told a longtime personal employee of Snyder's that several of the team's minority shareholders did not want to do business with him any longer. The filing states those conversations were with Blair were recorded. Um, that's true, apparent, and because the ESPN article goes on further to say, multiple reports have stated that minority owners Fred Smith, Bob Rothman, and Dwight Shar want to sell their shares. They combine to own approximately 40% of the franchise. I mean, he's, this isn't the only time that he's sued another company, another paper. The He sued the Washington City paper after an article detailed what it considered his many failings as an owner. The suit was eventually dropped. So he's very, very weak-minded uh, and uh, brittle-spirited as a uh, as an NFL owner. <clears throat> Ooh, the Spurs are about to play. Can I watch the Spurs play? They're about to play the Rockets. Fuck. Hold on. San Antonio Spurs. Wait, can I watch? Yes, yeah, sir. Spurs are about to play the Houston Rockets. Hopefully, they don't get their asses clapped by the Houston Rockets. But, you know, we'll see. 
We'll see. But, and I saw this because uh, ESPN had, you know, had the Spurs score versus the Rockets, and I was like, wait, the Spurs are about to play? Let me see if I can watch that. So that's not the reason why um, Dan Snyder is an idiot. He, he does stuff like this all the time. He's a, he's a little crybaby. He's a big baby, right? Give the baby his bottle. It's not the only reason why. Um, he is suing a young lady for defamation, for defamation of character, um, plus another website for like $10 million. Um, I, I doubt he can prove any of what he's saying. But then on top of that, um, literally this week, he also fucking lost Darius Geis, who is or was one of their best um, players. He was their running back. He's the reason why Adrian Peterson is on the football team. It's not because he's a bad back, but because he's had issues um, with his injuries. So because he had issues with his injuries, guess what? They had to go out and get somebody. Adrian Peterson was out there. I think either the uh, the Saints released him or they traded him away or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, he is now a Washington football player. And because of that, um, he was supposed to kind of take the pressure and the weight off of Darius, uh, Darius Geis, and uh, he did not. Well, technically he did, but Darius was supposed to be the future. Now he's not. So what exactly are they going to do down in, um, down in freaking Washington with the running back core? I don't really know. Um, they probably are going to have to look in the draft for another running back in the next couple of years, maybe next year, maybe this year. I don't really know. And on top of that, they are also going to have to, uh, when it comes to running backs, probably run Adrian Peterson a lot more. So he may get a shot at surpassing Emmitt Smith when it comes to all-time rushing leader. I fucking hope that does not happen. But it could. Who knows? But then on top of that, on top of um, him suing a former employee for slanderous talk and stuff like that, and then another newspaper... Maybe not a newspaper, but a website on top of all that. Um, I also went back and I saw this art, not even this article. It was, I was watching Good Morning Football actually today. And they were talking about former assistant coaches on the Washington football team. And I was like, hmm, that's, that's kind of an interesting topic. And they listed two of the biggest head coaches in the league as former assistant head coaches. Not assistant head coaches, but assistant coaches. Those two guys were... Sorry about that. Those two guys were Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Two of the biggest and most important offensive minds in the league. Two of the biggest and best head coaches in the league. Dan Snyder could not find, for some weird reason, the ability to hire them as head coaches. And whenever I hear Kyle Shanahan talk about Washington, he talks about Washington with, like, disdain. In his voice, he's like, yeah, uh, the only cool thing about working in Washington was that I got to work with my father, Mike Shanahan, obviously. And that was it. And it's like, can you blame him? No, not really. So Washington, a lot of people, I've heard like a a lot of Washington football fans be like, we're only a couple of years away. You're, we're only a couple of years away. We're only a couple of years away. And it's like, by a couple of years, they're probably like three to four 
more years away. And the reality of the situation is Alex Smith could potentially beat out Dwayne Haskins for the starting job if, if you know, he's healthy and if they want to, like, have a quarterback competition. I don't know. Who knows? If Ron Rivera, honestly, is, like, the objective of the team is to win football games and Dwayne Haskins, let me, I, have, I haven't checked his numbers, like, at all. Since maybe the end of the season? I don't know. Maybe not at all. Okay. So he had 1,000. Okay, so it, he had a 7 to 7 touchdown and interception ratio, but like, again, I don't like to count rookie years and rookie seasons. But Dwayne, he is. Um, he is, we'll see. We'll have a, an accurate assessment of him this season depending on, like, how he plays and whether or not he has a full season and whether or not he starts. Like, if he doesn't start this season, that is an issue. But again, we'll see. We'll see about Dwayne Haskins. So going back to Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson... I kind of teased his numbers just a little bit. His numbers from his rookie season, and I'm just going to do yards. Uh, his numbers are 3,118 yards, 3,357 yards, 3,475 yards, 4,000, 4,219, 3,983 yards, 3,448 yards, 4,110 yards. So if you don't understand the significance of those numbers, usually you would want to have somewhere between like 35 to 4,000 yards as like a starting quarterback within the NFL. Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he is probably averaging somewhere close to like 36, maybe 37 yards in a season. That's not good. That is not good. He has only had three 4,000-yard seasons in his entire NFL career. You would like for him to see. You would like for him to have more. And he has, um, He, I mean, he has boatloads of touchdowns. I mean, he has 31, 35, 34, 24, 21, excuse me, 34, 20, 26, and then 26 again. He's had boatloads of touchdowns. But he hasn't had the yards. And the reason why I mentioned the yards is that the yards showcase off what his team is prioritizing. And I didn't realize that it was this bad. I knew that they prioritized the run, but I didn't realize that it was, like, so bad that Russell Wilson is averaging somewhere close to, like, 34, 35, maybe 37 yards in a season. Every season. But, I mean... Let me mute my phone. In fact, let me turn it over. But Russell, he doesn't have the yards that you would like to see from a quarterback that is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? But 24, the run game works. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 2014. What do you mean the run game works? They get booted out of the divisional game. They haven't been back to a championship game since 2014. What do you mean the running game works? The running game does not work. It does not worked since 2014 when they had Marshawn Lynch. But 24, don't 24 me. Come at me with some super hot facts. 
run game is not work, ladies and gentlemen. At least for them, it is not work. And what does success in the run game mean? Well, it means that you're probably going to get and score more points in the run game than you are in the passing game. And obviously, that is not possible. Unless your passing game is so terrible and so god-awful that, yeah, you, you got you to gotta run the football. But the issue is, is that is that Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's the issue. So if you're not operating your football team through him and you're operating th- uh, your football team through, for example, uh, your running game or, you know, your um, your uh, your tight ends or I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess through your running game and not through your passing game. Like, that's that's an issue. That's an issue. Plus, it's like you could be scoring a lot of points. You could be winning. You could, you could have better records. You could help out your quarterback. Your quarterback could be better. But instead, you're like, I kind of want to run the football. I kind of want to run it like I'm from 1992. I kind of want to do that. Can I do that? Can, I, can we run it? So, how does this kind of tie into Dallas? Well, Monday, not Monday, Thursday, Mike McCarthy talked to the press for the first time in like six six months, seven months? Since January, since he was hired. I found the press conference very intriguing and very enlightening. Because it showed who he is as a head coach and what he plans on doing in the next couple of months as a head coach. With his football team, obviously. So, with Mike McCarthy, I loved his press conference on Friday. His press conference was very... Very professional. Now, when it comes to the differences between, for example, a Jason Garrett and a Mike McCarthy at the head coaching position, the one thing that you would see with Jason Garrett is a friendly demeanor. Like, I remember seeing the um, the consistency with Jason Garrett in his meetings, right? I have the phrase here. He always said, he always says, uh, like, whenever he goes into meetings, he always says, hey, hey, how, how are you guys doing? What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? In fact, I have the, the quote here. Where is it? Let me. Oh, yeah. How are we guys doing? I was right. He, oh, he always says that. Whereas Mike McCarthy is like, you know what? Let's just get this over with. You know, I got other things to do, essentially. So what happens is, what happened on Friday was probably the best, the best lampooning of the media that I've ever seen in the Dallas Cowboys, um, from a Dallas Cowboys head coach in the last 10 years. It's been fantastic. It was fantastic. 
And it's completely different from his press conference that he had when he got hired. Because when he was hired, he was a little bit emotional. He was happy. I'm like, I finally got a job. I got probably the dream job. And now I'm coaching again. It was emotional. But once he had some months to process it, once he had months to become, once again, a professional, put on those blinders once again, and he's like, well, it's time to go back to work. So what happened during the press conference? Why was the press conference so important? Well, because they asked him some pretty important questions. And I started to notice consistencies throughout the questioning, right? Where is it? Oh, wait, I actually need... Do I need this? I don't think I need this. Yeah, I don't need it. Where's the, uh, where's the quote here? Ah, here it is. So... He's getting asked a bunch of questions and he's, you know, he's responding in these very vanilla ways. And I asked, not asked, but I got like some of the probing questions that he was asked during the press conference. And I'll read you the questions and I think they'll even like, like ask the questions themselves. But I'll, but I have the, the question. Oh, this is beautiful. Minute 125 is when they ask him the question. And this is the intro. Minute 25 is when they ask, how much time have you spent with Dak and his grasp of the offense? He's going to kind of have like a short introduction and then he's going to get into questions. Hold on. Good afternoon, everyone. And um, we'll jump right into it. So, David, if you're ready... um Let's start your questions. Sure, Mike. Thanks. Uh, just wanted to ask you with the, uh, the circumstances of, of this offseason really didn't give you much time to, to work with Dak. So uh, how much time have you been able to spend with him since everyone reported? And, and how would you characterize his grasp of the offense at this stage as far as how you want to execute it and just his understanding of it? So if you couldn't catch any of that because of the static and the poor – quality of audio pretty much what he asked was how much time have you spent with him and how much does Dak grasp the offense watch how Mike McCarthy just does not answer the question how much time have you spent with Dak how does Dak understand the offense what's what's his grasp of the new offense well I'll say this uh, I think Dak is uh done a great job with with the time away and really the whole group uh the quarterback group and with you know, with the addition of Andy Dalton, um, I, I I really like the quarterback room. I think the diversity that you have there with, you know, with Dak Prescott and Andy with, with his experience, and then we got our two young guys, and Clayton and Ben. Uh, but most importantly, we have three former quarterbacks uh, coaching that group. So um, they're really it's it, it feels very normal, you know, as far as we go through the installations. I think the biggest uh, adjustment for Dak is is the language, which is which has been an adjustment for all of us. But uh, he's looked very good in the throwing segments of the uh, strength and conditioning phase that we're in right now. And, and um, I'm very pleased where, where he is and um, very impressed. So once again, the question was, how much time have you spent with Dak Prescott and his grasp and what is his grasp of the offense? And he goes into a nice long soliloquy of, 
the the group as a whole. He kind of gives you one soundbite and one like one piece of information where he says like, you know, he looks nice in the uh, in the throwing sections of our strength and conditioning, but that's it. That's all you get. Uh, the second part, and this is the more probing part. The second part, and it's literally just right after that first question, was uh, describe his mindset on the contract. Here we go. How would you describe his mindset uh, considering what he went through in the offseason with the contract and didn't get the long-term deal? Well, just, you know, with us being around each other for the first time, I would, I, I, I'm, you know, I really enjoyed his personality. Very upbeat, uh, very driven. Uh, so I would say he's, he's kind of picked up where he's left off based off what, you know, what I've been told about him, you know, as far as how he operates, but uh, very detailed in his preparation. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun to be around. Again, didn't answer the question. And I absolutely love this. You know, and I saw, I won't say who, but I saw a, one specific media member was not there to ask him questions or they just didn't answer, they didn't ask him any questions. And this went on for like 20 minutes. And it was awesome because they just, they, and then they talked about COVID and all that stuff. But it was just like they could not get anything like of relevance out of Mike McCarthy about the scheme, about the offense, about the defense. They asked a question later on about Cheeto, and he's like, hold on, let me, let me play you that clip. They, what was the question about Cheeto? What was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it took me like five minutes to fucking find it. My bad. Second, six, 632. So he's going to ask, how are you guys going to, how are you going to use guys and any other changes? And this is addressing Cheeto, um, essentially saying like, hey, I'm going to be playing safety or I may potentially be playing safety this season. Took some time. Mike, uh, we talked to Layton yesterday and he told us that he was going to be playing more middle linebacker and Jalen was going to be playing Will. Can you expound on and how you plan to use those guys and, and, and the, what the defense is going to look like? And are there any other position changes uh, that we should be looking out for? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that's a huge you know, position change. I, I think the biggest thing uh, we want to emphasize uh, from a defensive philosophy is the ability to, you know, to play matchup football, uh, the, 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 the focus on utilizing our players and, and letting them do the things they do best. So. Um, and I think with that, it, it, you know, with Leighton and both Jalen, they're, they're impact uh, style players, and, and we got to make sure we're giving those guys those opportunities. Any, any other change? Any other guys been moved? I heard we're talking off season about Cheeto being tried at safety. Will he be looking at you? Be using him at safety at all? Or is he well, strictly a corner. I think I think this, and, and um, yes, we definitely want flexibility back there. Um, and when you get into the, the personnel meetings, as we've already started uh, with with Will McClay and, and Steven and Jerry, is you know the players. It's so important. You have to have at least two things that you do. So if you're a corner, you know, does he have the ability to play nickel? Um, does he have the ability to be a primary player on special teams? So that's a that's a common thread just from a 
our approach to how we're building our roster. But yes, we definitely want, if our corners have safety ability and vice versa, and to whether they play inside or outside, uh, because you know I think we all understand it's a sub, it's a sub defense and sub offense game. So uh, we we cannot have enough perimeter players. Mike, what's the game? So a little bit of a longer response. But notice how once again he was asked about Leighton and Jalen and he downplayed the like the significance of Jalen moving to 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 Will and Leighton being um in, in the mic position, right? And then they asked about Cheeto and then he's talking about, well, if you have the potential to be a safety, we're gonna like look at that. We're gonna look at perimeter players. Um, in this, in that sense as well, but he didn't even address Cheeto by name. He said, "Hey, if you're, you know, if you're a perimeter player with the ability to play safety, guess what? We're gonna figure out a way to use you as safety." What does this have to do about Jason Garrett? What does this have to do about football? What does this have to do about anything? Well. I watched a lot of Jason Garrett conferences and, and press conferences as well. Now, Jason is kind of the complete opposite of Mike McCarthy. Jason is not afraid to give up a lot of information to the media. Jason is the type of dude that's just going to hit you with the things that not only you want to hear, but you need to hear, the things that are going to write headlines, the things that are going to give you um, give you a lot of information. For example, I remember Jason Garrett addressing the Leighton Van Der Esch injury and saying, oh, it's not life-threatening. It's like, what? Like, it's it's not life-threatening. Well, wait, what do you mean it's not life-threatening? It shouldn't have been life-threatening. Was it life-threatening? Like, for some weird reason, Jason didn't understand, you know, how to address media questions. So... I'm going to put on my head coaching hat, kind of like how Colin Cowherd did last week. I'm stealing this from him, and I'm using it for my own benefit. Let me take a swig. Hold on. So Colin, he puts on his GM hat. He's like, let me not even GM his head coaching hat, and he's like, let me pretend to be a head coach in this league. Let me pretend to be Matt LaFleur. And let me pretend that I am addressing the media talking about Aaron Rodgers and other things. So, let me just put on my Mike McCarthy hat. And I tried not to be, and I wrote down these questions and I kind of took a couple of, like I wrote these questions down on Saturday. So, some of them I remember, others I don't. And I'll respond completely different than Mike McCarthy. I'll, I'll pretty much be like Bill Belichick and stuff like that. So, here we go. How much... 24, 24, how much, how much time have you spent with Dak Prescott and what is his grasp of his offense? Well, uh, you know, uh, Dak's a great player. Uh, you know, uh, Dak's offense is, this offense is uh, pretty easy to grasp. He's been in this offense for about a year. Uh, Dak's a great player. Next question. All right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do like Bill Belichick anymore. Pretty much what I said was, um, no, you know what, you know what? Let me just describe who I am before I continue forward. When I was in high school, I was in um, a style of debate called Lincoln and Douglas. 
And Lincoln and Douglas debate, there are rounds in the debate, and one of the rounds is called CX, or cross-examining. And what, it, and what Mike McCarthy is doing right now when he is getting cross-examined, he's not getting interviewed, he's getting asked questions, that's CX, that's cross-examining. When they are cross-examining him, his job as the person who is being interviewed, or pretty much, what's, what's it called? Not interviewed, interrogated. There it is. He kind of is being interrogated here. His job is to give up as little information as humanly possible. And he does a fantastic job of doing that. Now, there's multiple different ways of not giving up any information. The first way of not giving up any information is to just do like Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich and just don't say anything, right? The second way is to essentially uh, give these long-winded soliloquies like Mike McCarthy is doing that pretty much mean nothing and you kind of have to dig through the information if you even try to press him to try and get something semblant, something sembling of a question. He's essentially running out the clock because they only have a limited amount of time to ask him questions over just having these short-winded responses that just like, like, like pretty much saying, like, you guys aren't going to get nothing from me. To each his own, I don't really have that. Much. I, I like the, the, the short retorts. Because I have, you know, so that way my words can't be taken out of context and things of that nature. But, you know, they're two different weapons. They're two different systems of, you know, that you can use and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, what do you like to use? By the way, I'm watching the Spurs game. It's 8-12. to 12. James Harden isn't playing. Thank God we probably have a chance of beating the Rockets. Moving on. Not even moving on. Let's go on to the next question. Describe Dak's mindset with the concept. 24, what was his mindset with the concept? You know, his mindset is great. He knows how, how much we love him. He knows uh, how much we value him. And, you know, he's going to ball out this year. And, you know, actually, hold on. If I had time to think about it, I would have done uh, I would have done this. You know, um, I don't really, I don't know his mind. You know, hold on. What was, what was the question again? Describe his mindset. Ooh, this is hard. Describe his mindset with the contract. Oh, I would have done what Mike McCarthy did. I would have just deflected. Um, you know, Dak is singularly focused. You know, he's been thrown to Amari Cooper this offseason. You know, Dak has been phenomenal in his preparation. You know, I loved uh, seeing him throw to CeeDee Lamb. I would have thrown that out there just to kind of deflect and be like, oh, my God, he's throwing to CeeDee Lamb? Oh, my God. What, what was it? Like, I would have changed the topic to something a little bit more interesting than something as controversial as Dak. Dak, um, Dak's contract. I would have been like, uh, uh, him and CeeDee Lamb have been working great, and I love, um, I love, I, I've, I've loved what they've done over the offseason, and I loved his progression um, as a player this offseason to our, uh, to our new offense. And then somebody asked this ridiculous question, uh, without the preseason games, how are you going to approach tackling? Uh, the, the same way that I've always approached it. <laughs> That's how I would answer that question. I'm not giving up anything. And then let's say um, they, they, add, they follow up that question with a how. Well, how have you approached um, tackling in the offseason? I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, the exact same way that I did it in Green Bay, I'll do it here in Dallas and, you know, we'll be safe and 
we'll make sure everybody is doing their job and everybody is understanding you know what we ask of them day in and day out and you know we're gonna ask our our defensive guys you know like uh to to train and to work hard and again deflecting not answering the question directly another question how are rook how do the rookies adapt how quickly can how how yeah how can the rookies adapt to being in the NFL and how quickly can they get acclimated um, to playing in the NFL? Well, uh, pretty quickly, you know. I think all all the rookies are pretty much acclimated. They're up to date. You know, this is the NFL. You know, things move quickly, so the rookies they ought to move quickly. And I think all of our rookies have done a fantastic job at getting acclimated acclimated to the NFL that question isn't a probing question and it's not really that deep so I'll kind of answer it a little bit more directly but that question is like a nothing question and then he ends the uh the freaking thing with the the interview or the the freaking speech with thank you have a nice day or whatever and then they ask, um, back at 632, how are you going to use guys and any other changes? They were talking about Leighton and Jalen and stuff like that. Here's how I would answer it. You know, we talk about flexibility all the time, offensively, defensively, special teams. You know, the whole mentality has been flexibility. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal that we move Jalen over to Will or we move Leighton over to Mike. And, you know, we, we got a lot of versatile, dynamic players on offense and on defense. So, you know, we're, we're trying out some new things. You know, maybe Jalen will move back to Mike. Maybe Leighton will stay and, uh, and move back to Will. Maybe Leighton will move to Sam. Maybe we'll move Sean Lee. Maybe, maybe Sean Lee will be the Mike. Maybe, like, just giving them a bunch of just BS, right? Just, you know, giving them, like, saying, like, oh, you know, maybe Sean Lee is the Mike now or the Will. Like, it's very easy to deflect. Very, very good at it. And then I'll even play um, his response to this, 17, uh, 17.02. By the way, these are the ta- the time stamps of the, uh, of the video that I'm watching right now. Let me, let me pull it up. Here we go. Mike, we talked to Amari earlier in the week. He was talking about how um, he the expectation has three 1,000-yard receivers. You've had some really good trios, obviously, in Green Bay. But I'm wondering, if, is that possible when you have a runner like Zeke that you can have that kind of those kind of numbers uh, in the passing game when you still have a runner like Zeke? Well, I think the most important thing is I love the way he thinks, and 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 I think you want and you want Zeke to feel the same way, because at the end of the day, it's about ball distribution. I mean, that'll that's always an emphasis, uh, the the ability to get the football spread around, because we're gonna, we're going to need all we're going to need all of our perimeter players when it comes to touches. So that's really where my focus is, uh, really the way the games, you know, play out and and, and the performance and the execution of players usually takes care of that so but yes it you know Zeke is a primary target you know uh, for us as far as him touching the football so that you know that will not change Mike 
Again, a non-answer answer. I gotta use the bathroom again. I'll be back in a couple of minutes to kind of break down what I was going to. Um, it, the question once again was, uh, is it possible to have three rook, uh, three 1,000-yard wide receivers with Zeke? Um, I, I'll, again, I got to use the bathroom. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Uh, hold on. Let me put on not a doom and gloom song. Let me put on. Let me put on this. I got to piss. I'll be back in another, in, in another couple of minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, 24th podcast. Okay, 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 okay. I think it's gonna be a good day Homie got the nine in the glove and he don't play Had a lot of hard times but it's okay 101 on the 4-5 I think it's gonna be a good day Homie got the nine in the glove and he don't play Had a lot of hard times but it's okay 24 Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again. 24 podcast. Talking about Mike McCarthy answering a whole bunch of questions by not actually answering those questions. The final question that was asked was can the offense have a thousand yards or three thousand yard wide receivers? And um, and Mike McCarthy answers it by saying, uh, you know, I, I like the attitude. I like the mentality. Again, not answering the question by answering the question. Or answering the question by not answering the question, excuse me. How, I, how, how would I answer it? How would 24, the head coach, answer it? Well, be something like this. What was the question again? <laughs> Is it possible to have 3,000-yard receivers with Zeke? I mean, who's to say that Zeke wouldn't want to, wouldn't be one of the 1,000-yard wide receivers? I mean, 
you know, there's a lot of different targets. There's a lot of different weapons, you know. I mean, we could have, you know, Blake Jarwin be a 1,000-yard receiver. We could have Tony Pollard be a 1,000-yard receiver. We could have uh, Zeke be a 1,000-yard receiver on top of the three guys that Amari Cooper uh, Amari Cooper listed, including, obviously, Amari and CD and Gallup. But, you know... We have we have a lot of guys on the team that are versatile and that are you know that can be weapons for us and you know we'll we'll use all of them we'll use Zeke and we'll use Amari and you know we have a very very high explosive offense and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see where we're going from here. Not answering the question. Well, actually, I kind of did, but again, in broad general ways, without once again giving away too much so what's the question on tackling how did he i think um uh mike addressed the question on tackling a lot more directly than i did but i i was like that's a stupid question to ask so anyways um what what else happened oh yeah layton layton is also moved to um to mike um as much as mike mccarthy downplayed that it's ironic that i say that he's moved to Mike and Mike McCarthy. Anyways, um, Leighton has moved to Mike. Do I think it's significant? Yeah, I think so, even though he kind of downplayed it. I think it's significant because Jalen was not good in coverage. And it seems like Dallas, by watching his tape and looking at what he was doing, uh, they're like, yeah, um, Jalen... He's not he's not very good at, at Mike. We'll move him from Mike to to um to weak side or will or we'll move or we'll move him to Sam or strong side, depending on, you know, who we have on the football field or whatever. You know, I do think they're trying to be flexible with whoever they have on the football field, but I also think that there's going to be like some some things that are going to remain pretty static. I think Leighton is Leighton is the guy with the headset in his ears, which I think is way better than Jalen, to be honest with you, so, this is my opinion on it, but what he said at the end of the conversation was very important, he said, like, you know, you have all these weapons, and by the way, I'll I'll talk about Dallas's running game here in a little bit, when, uh, what he said was, you know, we have all these weapons, you know, we have, we have all these guys, Zeke is going to be a primary target for our offense and blah, 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 right? When he said that, I, he alluded to something that I have been thinking about for the last couple of days and why I was so excited to get back to podcasting once again. He said, um, he, he talked about, what, what did he say? I forgot what he said. Sorry, it's been like a couple of minutes. It's like, I had to take a piss break. Here we go. Because at the end of the day, it's about ball distribution. I mean, that'll, that's always an emphasis. Uh, the, the ability to get the football spread around because we're going we're gonna to need all we're going to need all of our perimeter players when it comes to touches. So we're going to get all of our our players, our perimeter players involved when it comes to touches. Hmm. That doesn't sound like Dallas. That does not sound like they're trying to run the football with Zeke. Does it? And he kind of contradicts himself, but again, it's smoke and mirrors. He's supposed to contradict himself. He's supposed to, like, make it hard for people to read what he's doing. 
and what he's even saying sometimes. So Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, not even Mike, but with Jason as the head coach, because I talked about how I was going to get on Jason, with Jason as the head coach, Jason was all about running the football. Hey, guys, let's run the football. Let's run it, man. Let's run the football. Let's run it, right? And it didn't matter what style of defense teams would play. It didn't matter who they were playing. It didn't matter if they had a weak secondary, if they had a strong secondary, if they were going up against a, um, a strong offensive line or a strong defense. It did not matter. They were running the football. That is how they played the sport. Where is my water? Here it is. But Dallas now seems to be more, seems to have a more pass-heavy offense, a more pass-heavy, heavy, excuse me, attack. Let me type something in really, really quickly. I don't know what I'm looking up right now. Dallas versus Green Bay NFL divisional playoff game that's what I just looked up now let me mute the reason why I'm looking up this horrifyingly painful terrible tragic game is because uh like I think it's I think it's very important and I think there's a lot of important things about this football game that I think you should look back and watch. I think a lot of people should look back and be aware of. So what started to happen early and often, and this is because our defense was so shitty and Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy are so fantastic, they, were, they, they saw our weaknesses defensively. And they were like, forget about the offense. Let's focus on the defense. What does Dallas do horribly on defense and let's attack? And that's exactly what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did. They were not only able to run the football, as I just saw. Isn't that, I don't know who that is, Ty Montgomery, run for like 10 yards. They're also able to throw it because Dallas just missed a fuck ton of tackles. So what happened was after it looks like the first season, not the first season, excuse me, the first series, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy just uncorked it. They just said, we're running up the football on the Dallas Cowboys and we're going to have you know, a, uh, a more pass-heavy attack over the run. The reason why that's significant, the reason why that's significant, excuse me, is because it allowed them to get an early lead against the Cowboys, a significant early lead against the Cowboys, and force the Cowboys to play a specific way. But Dallas is fucking Dallas, and they still ran the football anyways, right? So what does this have to do with anything? 24, you're just repeating yourself, and you're repeating what everybody else said about that game. What's the relevance? What's the significance of it? Well, let me tell you. The relevance and significance of this football game reminds me of the style of play in basketball. An up-tempo offense versus a half-court set. If you don't know what that means, an up-tempo offense is essentially trying to exploit the weakness of a not-set-up defense, right? So when you play in this up-tempo offense that you know brings the ball up the court really, really quickly, some defenses aren't set up, 
and defenses, then they have to be like, well, how do we, you know, like we have to either cover the perimeter. How do we cover the perimeter? How do we cover the um, the inside? Like it's very, very easy to find mismatches because people are rotating and people are, you know, getting into their positions and they're trying to find their guys. It's easy to find mismatches and um, and just dudes that aren't in the right spot when it comes to half court, not half court, but up tempo offenses because the defense is still trying trying to get up, trying to get set. Half court sets are the complete opposite. You let the defense get set, but your offense you have five guys pretty much on the court on you know in, in at the half court right, or not on the court. I was about to say on the field, but pretty much like where you want them. Like your offense is where you want it to be. You get to run plays that you want to uh, run. It's not just about, you know, trying to find the fast mismatches. It's also about, you know, trying to set up mismatches and set up plays and scheme specifically towards certain defenses, right? Now, if I could use an NFL comparison, the Dallas Cowboys essentially operated in a half-court set versus an up-tempo offense, which is what most offenses run nowadays, right? Essentially, Dallas operated as a old school offense over the new school offense and they didn't employ any any up tempo offense into their pat and not into their passing game but into their offense like in in most basketball you have teams that do both right you have teams that especially golden state they love to do both they love to run you know the triangle offense the half court set with this up tempo high speed offense um, with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, and with Draymond Green. They love to do both. Right? Dallas, they didn't like to do either one. And what happened was is that it's way easier to play up against the run in the NFL than it is in, like, the NBA. It, it's, easy, it's harder to play up against a half-court set if the team knows what they're doing than it is against, you know, a running, a running team that's very, very simplistic and choreographs everything and tells you exactly what they're going to do in press conferences and stuff like that. It's very, very easy. To play up against Dallas. And an NBA, in the NBA, when essentially, like, like let's just pretend Dallas is Golden State. And as a matter of fact, here's, here, here's, here's one of my favorite human beings ever talking about how CeeDee Lamb is essentially like Kevin Durant going to, uh, going to the Dallas Cowboys. Let me just say this because it would not be uh, supercilious of me to make this statement. With what the Dallas Cowboys did in the, 19, in the 2020 NFL draft by adding C.D. Lamb to the number one offense in the National Football League, uh, uh, what, what Will McClay did, what, what Jerry Jones, those guys, Mike McCarthy did by adding this guy, C.D. Lamb, is akin, what was what was, or, what did he say almost tantamount, almost tantamount to Kevin Durant being added to a 73-win Warriors team. Coach, stop asking in my ear what I said. I said supercilious. That means it wouldn't be arrogant or out of hand for me to say it. That's what that means. I'm giving it to you. I hear you in my ear gate asking other people. I don't mind educating the people. This is why I am back. I'm going to educate you, and that is not being arrogant to say 
Adding him is like Kevin Durant being added to that Warriors team, especially offensively. They were already great offensively, and they got one of the best players and one of the best young talents at wide receiver in the National Football League. It is crazy what the Dallas Cowboys have an opportunity to do. And this is the last thing I will put on this. I know if I'm in that locker room, I love that, that Amari Cooper said everybody gets 1,000 yards. I, I, hey, listen, I ain't mature that fast. I did not mature that fast. You could have never got me to say that. I was going to tell you those guys can have what I leave on the table. That's the crumb that they would eat. But I love that Amari Cooper went right out there. All of them can go and get 1,000 yards, and this new NFL and this offense will take off. That defense will have to step up and show up for the Cowboys, and I believe they can. So if you didn't catch what he said, he pretty much said CeeDee Lamb is like adding Kevin Durant to the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors. But I was using, I was about to use the Warriors as the analogy, as kind of like uh, what happens in certain basketball. And this is the Warriors, the prime Warriors, right? What would happen in a lot of the Warriors basketball games, um, whenever they would play up against certain teams, is that the Warriors, especially in the third quarter, would pop off. They would go and they would score. Like, they would sometimes be down by two or three, maybe four points. And then they would just jack up a bunch of threes, hit them because they got Klay Thompson and Steph Curry in those games. Uh, they would they would freaking just go up by, like, 12 points at the end of the third. Like, it, it was... It was insane, and it's like, well, how do, like, now the opposition, they have to score a crap ton of points, and it's hard for them to score a lot of points because they're against the Warriors. And if the other team is playing up against these, like, slow-paced offenses, they're going, they're shooting a bunch of twos, they're missing, they're, you know, they're sometimes making them, like, it was hard for teams to play up against the Warriors because of how the Warriors played the sport of basketball. Now, Compare that to the NBA, or not the NBA, the NFL. I'm watching the Spurs versus Rockets. Spurs are up by eight. Top of the second quarter, 33-25. Compare that to, for example, football, where points, they matter a lot more in the NBA, oh my God, in the NFL, than they do in the NBA, right? Where... You know, 27 points is a lot of points. 28 points is a lot of points. And then think of the mentality of Dallas back in the day, right? It's ironic because I was continuing to play the, uh, the highlights of the game, right? Think about the mentality. So what happened during this football game with the Packers versus the Cowboys, Packers said to themselves, hey, guys, we're going to run the football. 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 We're going to run that football against the Packers. Right? We're going to run the football against the Packers. And what happened? The Packers said, okay, we have a choice. We have a choice of running the football and controlling the clock, or we have the chance to score. They took the chance to score, and they ran with it. The reason why is that Dallas played in a slower offense. Because Dallas played in a slower offense, they had to then play in this faster, up-tempo offense. They had to get rid of what they do best, and they had to go into foreign waters. They had to be like, well, we gotta, we gotta start throwing it. Zeke has to get a lot more plays, and he did. Dak and Zeke both made plays. But make no mistake, and they still lost, by the way. Make no mistake, the Cowboys in this game 
are the exception to the rule. They should not have been anywhere close to winning this football game. And they almost won it. Almost. But the reality of the situation with Dallas versus the Packers and Dallas versus a lot of teams is that they played like they were playing in the 1980s or the 1990s football. And the issue with playing that style against modern-day NFL teams that can just jack up threes or, you know, run up the score against certain teams is that when you're going up against those teams, the Green Bay Packers, the, uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's not just good enough to manage the game. You got to put points on the board because they'll just go up the field and start scoring on you. Like, that's what happens when the Packers, they started to manage the game. They're like, frick, man, like they're still in the ball game. We're running it and we're controlling the clock and we're burning time and they're still in the ball game. How do we stop them? Right? But for a lot of teams in the league that, you know, the like the Vikings, they, they love to run the football. You know, the, um, the what, what are they? Uh, the, the Bears, they love to run the football. And who else ran the football a lot? The Tennessee Titans, they love to run the football a lot. When you start to get, not get, but score a whole lot of points against some of these teams, and when you start to say to yourself, like, like we got it, you know, like, like we're, we're ahead by three scores, it, the, the game is over with. It is over with, and let me explain to you why. Unless you got a good quarterback on your team, the game's over with. Let me explain to you why. The opposition has to make big plays. It's not, they, you know, they, they kind of do. They may have to make big, no, the opposition has to make plays. They have to. And usually, it's through the air. It's not on the ground, it's through the air. It's through the air. So you know you have to play the pass. You know that it's going to go through the quarterback. You know that all you got to do is guard. Come on, Dez. That's your guy. You got to block him. Dez doesn't block. I'm watching the screenplay where Dak throws his, I think, his only interception. I think one of two interceptions in three games. And Dez is, it's a screenplay. Dez is supposed to block. He's either supposed to get to the second level. I don't know what Dez is doing. Dez is, a, that's, that's his man. Dez is supposed to go up the field and block or whatever, but the Packers read that it's a screenplay or technically a pick, I don't know what you want to call it, and they read it, and it's a turnover. But the difference, but when you, when you are going up against these teams and you go up against, for example, the Dallas Cowboys, you go up against the Green Bay, the, the Dallas Cowboys this year, you go up against the Green Bay Packers, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, these teams with these very high-powered offenses, these teams where they can just, uh, where, where they can go up and down the field and score and make plays. It is very, very hard to make comebacks against these teams because they'll just run up the score against you. And you can't run the football you have to pass, you have to make plays, and it for and it's and it puts so much pressure on the quarterback, on the running game to just start gashing people. And Dallas never 
opted to go with that play style. They never opted to force the young quarterback, the op- the, 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 the the mediocre quarterback, to have that onus. They they never said, "Hey, let's let's run up the score. Let's be up by three points, not three points, three scores. Let's be up by two scores. Let's be up by four scores. Let's put the pressure on them. We got the offensive line. We got the wide receivers. Let's do it." They were like, no, run. Run the football. And yes, the danger is, yes, like, you know, if your defense doesn't play well, then yes, your your team could get scored on. But the reality is, Dallas's defense was overrated for the majority of the last four years. It still kind of is. In fact, a lot of people are kind of, like, have readjusted their stance on Dallas's offense. Or not uh, offense, excuse me, but their defense. In the sense of Dallas's defense, there a lot of people are saying it, it's probably middle of the pack, which it kind of is. And in a lot of stretches last year, it was below average, significantly so. Like let's let me do a test. Let me do a test. Let me see the NFL teams that I would rather take their defenses that I would rather take over Dallas's. Let's just play a game. Um, I would rather take New England. I would take uh, Seattle's. I would rather take Philadelphia's. But Philadelphia and the Dallas Cowboys are kind of a wash. But I think Philadelphia. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Philadelphia's. I would. Um, I wouldn't take Washington's. I would not take the Raiders. I'll take Green Bay, uh, San Francisco, obviously. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers not taking the freaking 49ers. I would take the Minnesota Vikings. I take Kansas City. They get Mahomes the ball, and they make plays. Uh, I'd take Denver's. Um, Cleveland. That's tough. What was Greedy's numbers last year? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Cleveland. I'm just going to say no because I don't know Cleveland's defenses. Defense. I would take Baltimore. I would take the Bills. I would take the Bucks. I would take the... Uh, I would not take Miami. I would take... The, um, the New Orleans, I would take the Rams, I would take, wouldn't take the Jets. Actually, I would. I would take the Jets. They had a lot of turnovers. They, had, they were a top 10 defense last year, sneakily enough. Take the, take the Jets. Um, Cardinals. I don't know how they rank against the run game, so I'm just going to not take them. Would not take Detroit, would not take Carolina. Would not take the Texans or the Falcons. I would take the Chargers. I like like the Chargers defense. They had 20 interceptions last year. That's why they sucked. Wouldn't take the Bengals. I would take the Titans. Would not take the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I would take a lot more teams. How many teams is that? How many teams wouldn't I take? That is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So they're, again, average. 15 teams that I would take over the Dallas Cowboys, making Dallas the 16th team out of 32, average. So when you have... One of these teams that has this average defense and is all like, I'm going to run the football. Like, the Vikings are a perfect example of this. 
The Vikings are... How, what, was his, what was Mike McCarthy's record against the Vikings? I don't know if I can, like, look it up without, like, going year by year and not just take too long. Let me try. Oh, it's uh, 15, 5, and 1. <laughs> like, I can just Google it. It's 15, 5, and 1. Now, the reason why that is, A, the Vikings are kind of a mess of an organization, and B, probably what the Vikings did was they were like, well, we can just run the football. We, we got Adrian Peterson. We got uh, Teddy Bridgewater. We got Stefan Diggs. Like, we got Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were kind of unknown at the time. But they were probably like, well, we got this dominant back. Let's run the back. Let's run him. Packers said to them, um, run it all day long. We don't care. We'll, we'll just score on you guys because I think before the the last, like, I think before 2016, the Packers, not the Packers, the Vikings, they didn't really have that great of an offense or not an offense, but a defense. But the Packers, they said, well, if we can throw the football against the, um, against the Vikings, Let's throw the football against the Vikings. Let's run up the score against the Vikings. And let's win these doggone football games against the Vikings. Like, why not? It puts way more pressure on them than it does us. It puts the onus on them to score and not on us. Like, we can just sit back and we can just watch them make a crap ton of mistakes they have to, the onus is on them. They have to make plays. They have to score. And it's hard to make plays when we'll stop your running game and, uh, and slash or uh, your passing game as well. Like, it's way harder to do that against us when we know, when, um, when we know, like, we'll just freaking, I don't know. When we know that you have to pass the run, uh, pass the ball, excuse me. I don't know. I'm getting tongue-tied here. My point in all of this is to say is that it's a lot easier to play and win football games if the team lets you run up the score over letting you run the clock. Because it's just saying like, well, you know, like we like like I remember I remember this. I remember saying this. Or thinking this like when I was making this subject to talk about today. Like I was like, Dallas's scheme, essentially, for the last four years is to control the clock from jump. Like, control the game clock, manage the clock from the first quarter to the second quarter to the third quarter to the fourth quarter. It's not about, like, scoring points. It's about managing the clock. And that's not how you win football games. You win football games by scoring points, not by managing the clock. You manage the clock to close out a game. You don't close out the game in the first quarter. You close out the game when you have the lead in the fourth quarter and you want to win. You stop scoring. You stop opening up Pandora's box. You open it up for the first three, two quarters. But during that third, fourth quarter, when you're up by three points, by three scores, excuse me, just close it. Close the damn steel iron gate shut on that football game. Be it signed, sealed, delivered, and win. It's just that simple. People want to make things complicated. People want to be like, you got to run the football. No, you don't. And it's, and you know, the reason why people want to run the football is because it's, it's a physical style of, of, of playing the sport, right? So a lot of people are like, you got to run the football. You got to impose your will. You got to do this. You got to, no, you don't. You got, you don't got to run the dang on football. 
have to impose your will on anybody. Why would you want to impose your will? How about this? Win the damn game. Win the sport. Nobody cares. Listen, at the end of the season, nobody gives credit to teams that impose their will on other teams. That's the reality of the situation. You want to know what people give credit to? Dubs. That's what people give credit to. Nobody cares about imposing the will. Nobody cares about, you know, uh, about, you know, oh, taking souls out here. Nobody cares about that crap. Everybody cares about wins and losses. That's what I care about. That's what everybody cares about. About to snuff my candle. Snuff it out. And, you know, what I've talked about here today, it's kind of a long-winded response and retort to essentially say, Dallas, who are they playing up against this season? Let me check it out. Dallas is going up against teams that they could probably run up the, the score against and play that style of, hey, you know, your quarterback has to bail you out of these types of situations, right? They're going up against, for example, the Seattle Seahawks who I just talked about Russell Wilson, I think, I don't know how long, maybe 30, 40 minutes ago, and how his team loves to run the football and how they don't give him a lot of chances to win the game. Imagine if you gave him even less chances and more pressure. I would not want to run the football through Jamal Adams and K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner and Jadavian Clowney, and I don't think Mike McCarthy does either. I think they're going to say, hey, we're not running it. We're going to throw it. That's what we're going to do. Try and stop us with... Freaking all of our guys. I think DeAndre, one of one of the guys that got arrested and was on the NFL's exempt list, I think he's off. So the um, Seattle, they get their number one corner, I guess. So. But I would still run it against, I would still throw it against them. Why would I run it against three, like two, three guys that can stop the run? I, I, I said Jadavion Clowney, but they don't have him anymore. Like they have two guys that are some of the best run stoppers in the league. Bobby Wagner, and they got now Jamal Adams, and then they also have K.J. Wright, who's a good linebacker as well. But then you go up against the Browns. The Browns, they have a second-year, nope, third-year quarterback. He's coming off of an off year. He's got, a t he's got two running backs, two great running backs. He's got Odell. He's got Jarvis. I would rather, I would rather run up the score against them than control the clock, if you want my honest opinion about it. Control the clock. Put pressure on Baker. He's a young quarterback, and his offensive line is bad. Run up the clock. Run up the score. Same thing goes, ironically enough, with four teams that they play in four straight weeks. Giants, Cardinals, Washington, Eagles. Giants, pitiful offensive line. Very, very little weapons. Explosive weapons. How many explosive, dynamic plays can you get from the Giants? Probably not a lot. And then on top of that, young quarterback, Daniel Jones. You put him on the wire. You put him to the test. You say, hey, Daniel, try and beat us when you're down 21-3. to Same thing goes with Kyler Murray. Weak offensive line. 
He's got DeAndre Hopkins. He's got Larry Fitzgerald. His, op- his offense is starting to come together. But it's still not where he would like it to be. I just fucking saw Derek White freaking do this fucking... I, I love me some Derek White, man. I, lo- I-, I love Derek White. By the way, Spurs, 55-37. Spurs, man. Oh, we, we, we may go to the playoffs. Hold on. Let me try and find an audio clip. Derek White just put up one of the coolest finishes. Head fake, pass fake. He can't finish at the rim, so he throws it behind his back because he knows his teammate is trailing, and he fucking just... It's a, it's a beauty, man. Everybody, including myself, I was like, the Spurs, they're probably not going to make it to the playoffs. Ever since LaMarcus Aldridge is off the team, do not sign do not sign LaMarcus Aldridge. This is the style of play Spurs, Spurs should be playing. Hold on. I think this is maybe it. They remade the chant where they have like um, uh, guitars and stuff like that. Let me try and see if I can't find it. God, I love the Spurs. Oh no, this is a song. Do they have the chant? Let me just try and find that chant. It's a chant. It's like you should be able to find it anywhere. Let me see it. Let me see it. I love the San Antonio Spurs. We're back, baby. We back. Yes, I'm we back. All right. Let me let me get back on track. So I was going through the list of teams that I thought that Dallas could potentially run up the score against, put a fuck ton of pressure on the offense. And this is this is why you need to understand like how important it is the quarterback position is how important you know, the wide receiver position is how important it is to have this dynamic offense because you're going up against four teams in four weeks that you can 1,000% run up the score against. I mean, these three, like three of these teams are easy streets, if you, easy, uh, easy wins if you know what you're doing. Against the Giants, Cardinals, and Washington. Those are three easy wins. You're playing the Giants and the Cardinals at home in two consecutive games, and then you go on the road twice for Washington and the Eagles. Washington is pretty much a home game. Eagles, they're an away game. But essentially, you can run up the score against all four of these teams and be like, hey, man, try and, ke- try and slow down our offense while getting your offense uh, going. And if their offense takes forever to score, then guess what? It's even better for you. But the amount of pressure that you're going to put on the quarterback to try and make plays is going to be immense. And that's my point. It's putting pressure on quarterbacks to make damn plays. Not, not put it like, like, and some people may ask me, hold on. As I take a swig of my water. And some people may ask me, 24, don't you put pressure on teams, on opposition, on the other teams? If you, for example, run the football 
and you score and things of that nature slowly because you're managing the clock. Not in today's world. <clears throat> Here's the reason why. Teams aren't going to play that way. Right? And my, hold on, Spurs are two games out. They're two fucking games out from the playoffs. Memphis has got to lose. Oh, wait. Phoenix. Phoenix plays Philly. Memphis plays today. And Portland plays Dallas. All three of those teams have got to lose today for the Spurs to have a shot at the playoffs. Anyways. Um, you may ask me, 24, isn't it putting pressure on all of these teams if you run the football? That's putting pressure on them, right? And I said, not in today's world. And the reason why I said not in today's world, not in today's NFL, is because you have teams like a Patrick Mahomes, a dude like an Aaron Rodgers, a, a team like Dallas, where they have a fuck ton of weapons. So, for example, if you're just running the football and, you, like, let's say you take five minutes off the clock and you go down the field and you score three points, then guess what the other team does? They go down the field and they score seven. It's like shooting threes, right? And I mentioned the up-tempo offense, but another way to look at it is scoring threes over scoring twos. It's like, which one would you rather have? If you had the option to score three points or to score two points, which one would it be in basketball? You would rather shoot threes. You would rather score threes, right? Because three is bigger than two. All right, well, in this particular case, when it comes to the NFL, would you rather manage the game, manage the clock, or score points? Because there's pros and cons to everything. In this particular case, you would rather score points because that's how you win football games. Offense nowadays is how you win football games. It's not defense. It's not managing the clock, right? It's scoring points. So in these particular games, the the pressure that you're talking about when it comes to running the football and putting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, it's not greater than putting pressure on the quarterback to score a fuck ton of points against an NFL defense. And this works great against young quarterbacks and quarterbacks that don't have a lot of weapons. Because now it's like you can't just get away with scoring 17 points in a game. It's like now you got to score like 24 to win. Or 28. So, Giants, Cardinals, Washington. Then they play up against the Eagles. Eagles, they don't have any fucking weapons to make big plays with. Some people are going to say Jalen Rager. And and um, who's the other guy from Boise State? I don't know his name. Um, and, uh, and Deshaun Jackson. But I don't like having one game of data to essentially freaking um to to essentially like rudy gay just airballed a, a three ball but i don't like to say like one game is going to be the determinant for the entire season i like to have multiple games of uh, of film of tape of whatever of, of of data on certain things before i make us uh you know a, a strong judgment but when it comes to dallas they have easy games like the the four game stretch that i talked about giants cardinals washington and then the eagles and then they go from there and they play up against the Steelers, the Vikings, Washington, and the Ravens. And it's like, hello, same system. Same same thing here. Again. Now, maybe you don't necessarily want to throw the football as much against Pittsburgh, but I mean, technically they're playing in Dallas, so I mean, they can, they can throw the football. But on top of that, the Steelers, they actually have a pretty good secondary, so maybe you want to throw it now. Or not throw it, but run it, right? But against the Vikings, their secondary is washed. Uh, Washington, you're playing them on Thanksgiving, and then you're playing up against the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore always struggles with dealing with leads. 
They always do. Their offense gets a lot of plays in the run game, but they do not get a lot of plays in the pass game. Let me tell you something. You put pressure on the Baltimore Ravens to score points, it's going to be really hard for them to score points. It's not going to be impossible. I just saw, holy fucking shit, the Spurs are playing like, they're playing like championship Spurs, man. Like, I, I cannot wait for the Spurs next year based upon, like, what I've seen from them in the bubble. They have played fantastic. They need, like, a piece here and there. But, I mean, they got DeJounte Murray. They, uh, they got Derek White. They got, um, they got DeMar DeRozan. They got Rudy Gay. They got, like, another guy. Like, get rid of LaMarcus Aldridge and save the money. Spend the money someplace else. What's LaMarcus Aldridge's contract? I'm done. What is his contract... Lamar Kiss Aldridge. What is his What is his contract? I hope he's I hope he's a free agent this season. He's a free agent next season. Okay. I hell trade him this season. Trade him next season. I'm fine with what I got right here. I'm fine with what I got. I'm fine with Forbes, DeJounte Murray, Rudy Gay. I'm, we are beating the dog out of the Houston Rockets. The dog! 66 to 40s. I get it. They don't have James Harden. But even if they had James Harden, I mean, my goodness, we are beating the dog out of them. Holy smokes. Bottom of the second quarter, 66-47. Oh, my goodness. Oh, don't do it. Anyways, going back to what I was talking about earlier. Uh, Like, you're playing up against teams that they don't like to play from behind. And they certainly don't like... And and I know what you're saying. Well, 24, you make it sound easier. You make it... like, Like, it's easier said than done. Right? It's hard to score fucking three times against certain teams. But what I'm trying to tell you is you're going to get matchups this season like against the fucking Vikings where they don't have anyone in their secondary, like against Washington, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cardinals, man. You're going to the Bengals, you're going to get you're going to go up against teams where the question is, do you want to throw it? Do you want to run it? Like the entire playbook is going to be open to you. The team, the Cowboys should always fucking pick to throw the damn ball. Always. Always. It should always be that we're going to um, we're going to throw the football and we're always going to run up the score against them. It should always be that. You're going up against how many like I'm I'm just gonna say quarterbacks with three years or less experience. How many quarterbacks is that? That is one, two, three, four, and I'm gonna count the Giants and um, and Washington twice. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Including Jimmy Garoppolo. Technically, he's he, he has, like, I think six years in the league, but he's only started for, like, three or two. So he's technically a third or second-year quarterback. You're going up against eight quarterbacks that you would love to just put pressure on them. I think nine. I think I miscounted because I think I forgot about the Giants in a season game. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep, nine. It's more than half the season. Now you're going up against dudes 
that if you force them to make plays, they will make mistakes, they will make fuck-ups, they will, they will allow your defense to pin their ears back, rush the passer. It's a lot harder, for example, to be like, you know what, like we, we take a lot of time off the football game and blah, 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 blah. It's a lot harder. Again, we're, we're talking about applying the most amount of pressure. I'm not saying that the run game doesn't have qualities that you would, wouldn't want. But what I'm saying is, is that if you get up ahead, if you score fast, if you score quickly, there's a difference in scoring quickly. There's a difference in taking three minutes to score and then being like, and then going back and doing it again and, and, the, and the opposition has only scored fucking three points because they're like, let's just slowly matriculate the ball down the football field or they go three and out or potentially they just freaking just like sit there and just don't do anything. Like there's a huge difference, a huge difference in, in, scoring, in, 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 in scoring via the run game and having that be your dominance, uh, your dominant not your dominant, but like your scheme, your game plan, and, and freaking passing the football and dominating via the pass. Huge difference. Huge fucking difference. I cannot wait for this season to start. I cannot wait for the Dallas Cowboys to go ahead and start dominating, start playing up against these football teams that they got to go up against. Start winning against teams they got to go up against. Start beating the dog out of some of the teams that they that they um that they're gonna go up against this season. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been twenty four podcast the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet internet if you like this hold on pause music let me go on to bath and body works i you know i have not liked the candles that i bought from for uh from kroger they're they're not as good as uh as the candles that i got from bath and body works i'm trying to see if they have a um like a, a like candles for sale probably not yeah it's like $24 per candle i remember like around christmas i freaking bought like most of these candles for like $10 or something like that i don't know pumpkin pecan waffles it's $24. Fucking hell. Pumpkin donut shop. I love Bath and Body Works. When do they have like cool sales and stuff like that? They also have like a bunch of fall fragrances and stuff like that. When do they have sales? Like major sales. Hold on. I don't know. 
Twice a year, Bath & Body Works has its popular semi-annual sale. One starts right after Christmas, and the second kicks off during the summer months. During the sales, you can stock up and save up to $75. 75%. Below are some need-to-knows. Fuck. I missed it. It was June. Man, that sucks. I missed it. But it's like, I, I should have, I like, I literally had six or seven candles that I got for like really, really cheap from Bath and Body Works during Christmas. And um, they were like dirt cheap. And they were like, they were also running out of stock too as well. No, it, no, it was the day after Christmas. My bad. It was the day after Christmas sale. And I went to Bath and Body Works and I bought them all and they were dirt cheap. I love them. All right. My bad. Let me play the song. Ladies and gentlemen, 24th Podcast, blah, 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 blah. If you like this podcast, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find my podcast, 28 Wars Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, until my next podcast, I hope you have a fantastic day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.